Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag3, whoever he is. Get your clothes, fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this is is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international over depression. <laughs> bitch, you got coronavirus. I believe in the sand beneath my toes. The bitch gives a feeling and nothing feeling. I'm believing the faith that grows. What is the right way to approach the Omicron strain? I'm glad you came to me because I think what I want to do is go clinical. What I've learned to do in this whole scenario is rely on science. Oh, good for you. And that means relying on Pfizer and Moderna. Nobody with any power is saying the frontline workers need to be vaccinated. It's just plain wrong. And most of us are sick of it. This charade must end. The government must require vaccinations. Hey, How about new? We have immunocompromised people who are incubators for every variant to come, walking around lawfully unvaccinated? That's psychotic. We have governors who want to be president by grandstanding on a foolish state's right issue, the right to get sick and get other people sick. So it's time to admit that we have to go to war against COVID. Require vaccination universally. Have the military run it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you better be ready to prove your conscientious objector status in court. And even then, you need to help in the war effort by staying home until we finally beat this thing. I doubt it. You are fake news. You talk like a fag, and your shit's all retarded. Very fake news. I agree with that. I will eat your ass. I'll do it. All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping that woke. In five, <laughs> four, three. I, I can't do it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I, I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show. Frankly, the best you can ask anyone about that. People often do, I'm told. This is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christians, and I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hello. Week's worth of news for your entertainment and consideration tonight, as always. Big news of the weekend is Farewell Fredo. CNN has officially fired Chris Cuomo. His indefinite suspension from CNN earlier this week is now definite and official. And I'm told Deborah Katz of Christine Blossy Ford fame has struck again. Why the yeah. infighting this time? Why is she going? The Cuomos, I guess, have become Me Too enemies, number one. Yeah, totally. Strangely, this is the most I've ever respected Chris Cuomo. <laughs> Just like his brother. You're you're weirdly warm to Andrew as well. Well, at least we can talk about it later. But, you know, at least he sticks with family. I respect people that try to help their family. I suppose at least there's some principle there. You might debate how far that extends and how it clashes with journalistic ethics, but he yeah, should I mean, be it, destroyed, but just because of his political orientation and what he's done to the media. Yeah. Um, regarding this, it makes me kind of like him. Well, of course it was known for a long time that he was pulling strings behind the scenes for his brother in the sexual assault and harassment claims. And I was wondering what changed. It looks like Deborah Katz has a fresh Kavanaugh accusation against him. That's what changed. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, 
Speaking of odd sympathies, you were telling me you might have some for Alec Baldwin. No, I that told you I can't not to understand. tell anybody that. <laughs> I, I, I told you, don't tell anybody that. This is a hormonal thing. I'm sorry. I, I keep already, my secrets. I already blew it. Um, but Alec Baldwin, of course, gave a lengthy and detailed interview to George Stephanopoulos, uh, claiming he never even pulled the trigger on the gun that, of course, accidentally shot the um, or when he accidentally shot the cinematographer and the director on the set of his movie Rust. We'll take a look at uh, some of the details of that interview. And then the school shooting case in Michigan. This is a lot of details going on here. So obviously there were uh, we had a school shooter in, in uh, suburban Detroit earlier in the week and he shot and killed four kids. I think injured what six or seven others mm-hmm. late in the week. Eight. The D. Yeah. Eight. Okay. Late in the week, the DA comes out and charges the parents for involuntary manslaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says that's for not doing enough to stop their son from committing this shooting. Is it legit? Is this uh, more anti-gun grandstanding on the part of a prosecutor? There's a lot of pieces to dissect in this case. So we'll go through that. Plus, we'll catch up on uh, more happenings at the Australian Disneyland, otherwise known as the uh, quarantine camp in the Northern Territory. Conditions are lovely there, but Aboriginal teens are escaping and it's becoming a problem. And Ilhan Omar shares a voicemail message in what may or may not be hoax hate. And uh, tonight's movie review is uh, Leon Leone, if you want the authentic Italian pronunciation or whatever, The Professional Guy. That movie, Leon the Professional. I have, um, well, I wrote I have many things to say about it. I really only have one thing to say about it. I bet it's the same thing that I'm going to say. I suspect we will be in some area of agreement there. We'll get to that at the end of the show. And of course, uh, we'll catch up with uh, your super chats in between topics, 10 bucks and up on the Sunday show, because we are no good low down money grabbers. We'll get to as many of them as we can before 1130 p.m. Eastern. It will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show related and support the show over on the website. That's MattChristensenMedia.com. Of course, the show store is up and running. We have T-shirts. We have hats. We have mugs. We have it all for your holiday gift needs. Plus, we have great offers from friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends over at Western Razor Company. And you know what else makes a great stocking stuffer? That is a fine quality razor that will last a guy a lifetime and free him from disposables for every, uh, forever. Everyone knows how many options there are out there for shaving products. But they all seem like they come with huge compromises. Most razors sold today are made in China by global conglomerates that hate you. Well, not anymore. I'm talking about the new High Noon Safety Razor from our friends at Western Razor. Not only is it made in America, but it uses widely available double-edged razor blades that cost only pennies each. Safety razors uh, were used by just about every man in America back in the 50s and 60s until the big razor companies figured out they could make more money selling disposables and signing you up for endless subscriptions. But the safety razor has always been the superior method. Made out of 100% metal in the USA, Western Razor's High Noon Razor is a fantastic way to buy American and actually save money. So get one today. You get 10% off a Western Razor uh, for someone's stocking or for yourself using promo code MATT10. That's 10% off Western Razors with promo code MATT10. You can find everything you need from Western Razor 
plus other great offers from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses like Charity Swipes, Hero Soap Company, Phoenix Ammunition, and more. That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals. Deals for listeners, by listeners. Other big news of the weekend, actually just today, is uh, the passing of Bob Dole, course the uh longtime senator 98 years old i actually forgot that bob dole was still alive alive. when i heard this i was like bob dole isn't dead yeah the uh longtime republican senator from kansas army veteran of world war ii during which he was wounded and and left for dead and the 1996 republican nominee for president against bill clinton the dole family has not said where he died or exactly how but it was announced in february that he had stage four lung cancer Uh, As with Colin Powell, um, I'm guessing it won't be long until someone comes out to blame the unvaccinated for the death of the 98 year old Bob Dole. Has nothing to do with him being hella old and having cancer, I think, for the second time. Oh, he survived another form of cancer. I didn't know that. I think so. It doesn't matter when you're 98. You've probably had cancer like five times. (laughs) You've done the tour. Yeah. Uh, Have some trial updates before we hop into the Cuomo news. Uh, of course, Jussie, uh, this was the first week of the Jussie trial, and I, I wish I could watch this attentively, but I have <laughs> I to watch it secondhand through other people's descriptions uh, in writing. Earlier this week, I did um, a video on, on the preposterous defense theory from from Jussie's lawyers that they, they offered at the trial, um, which started on Monday with jury selection, and then they delivered their opening statements. But fundamentally, their argument is that the Osindairo brothers, these are the Nigerians that, that Jesse is accused of hiring to stage the attack. Jesse's team is saying that those guys actually seriously uh, and secretly hated him and then attacked him for real because they're homophobic, among other reasons why they hated him. Weren't but, they butt buddies, though? That's what's unclear is there are rumors that one of the brothers and Jesse were they were, uh, yeah, very close buddies. You might put it that way. But developments later in the week include um, the testimony of the Osindairo brothers who who say that they were not only hired to fake the attack, but the trio actually ran a rehearsal the day prior. So surveillance video was presented to the jury that prosecutors say is footage of a dry run or a rehearsal of the attack. The video shows Jesse's car circling the intersection where the incident occurred uh, the next day. And the prosecutors say this is Jesse showing the Osindairos where he wanted the attack to happen. So we'll see how the defense team is able to respond to that. But the defense team is getting ever more desperate. They're now calling for a mistrial. I originally thought they were calling for a mistrial because of an allegation that the judge lunged it at them, them being the lawyers for Jesse. Second reading, it sounds more like they had a pre-existing motion for mistrial based on the exclusion of some evidence. And then yeah. during discussions with the judge, the judge lunged aggressively at, at Jesse's lawyers. That's what they're saying. I've never seen a tactic like this going going after the judge in this way. This is unprecedented. Yeah, good luck. But the incident happened in the midst of the defense uh, defense's cross examine cross exam of uh, one of the brothers, Ola Ola Binjo Ola, whatever his name is, Osindairo. Uh, and this is as attorney defense attorney Tamara Walker grilled him about his alleged homophobia as a potential motive for why he would attack Jesse. Uh, Osindairo had just acknowledged he used the word, quote, fruity ass to refer to a man <laughs> he suspected was gay. Okay. That's uh, that's there we go. Fruity ass. I'll have to remember that one. That's a good one. Uh, 
And and then the judge, uh, the judge interrupted and called this line of question, this line of questioning collateral in front of the jury, indicating that it didn't have any relevance. And that prompted the lawyer Walker to ask for a sidebar as in a conversation in a, a private conversation away from the jury. And while the lawyers were speaking with the judge, the lawyer says the judge physically lunged at her uh, during this meeting. And, and that's a claim that's been vigorously denied and that nobody that I've seen at least claims to have witnessed. Um, and I, I don't know. Some reports say that the judge actually claimed uh, this is MAGA country, called the lawyer an N word, tossed a noose over her neck, sprayed her with uh, a bottle of bleach. It got it got pretty violent. I believe apparently. all that. And he was a black guy in white face, too. Yeah, it's a pretty violent confrontation, according to this defense team. But as I mentioned, some of the headlines I think are lead you to believe that it was the lunging that's the cause for the mistrial request. It's actually the, the exclusion of this evidence about one of the Osendairo brothers calling someone a fruity ass, among other evidence that they're homophobic, oh which is this the real. As, a, as yeah. a, you know, I, I, I'm not as drawn to the case as I expected to be. Uh, I could see I thought it how, was going to be riveting court material. But. Well, the. The verdict and the response to the verdict are probably going to be the the real must see action. I can't wait to if they actually convict. I can't wait to see Jesse's excuse. Or here's another thing that might draw your attention. Jesse is expected to testify this week, oh, or at least it's okay. believed that he will be. Because to counter the the testimony of the Osendiros, it's really Jesse's word against them. Yeah, and Jesse's the only person who can speak to a lot of the evidence um, from the testimony of the Osendiro brothers and a lot of the physical evidence that they have. So it is speculated and believed that it's likely that Jesse takes the stand this week, and that might be. Oh, he's gonna fake cry, and we're never gonna see it. Ugh. Yeah, he had a he had a pretty good one on uh, well with on ABC with Robin Robin uh, Roberts back when the incident first happened. That's right. What? <laughs> What happened with uh, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial this week? We're not going to call her Jizz Lane. As my so, husband. Yeah, sorry. Jizz Lane <laughs> Maxwell's trial. Um, so the first witness um, of which there will be many, she's this actress who was 14 when she got recruited um, by Jizz Lane Maxwell and Epstein. Uh, she took the stand on Tuesday. And what happened was she was, you know, this was under the pretense of um, anonymity, this whole thing. I don't know if she was wearing a disguise, but she's using a pseudonym. She's being called Jane. And twice, not once, but twice, the attorneys uh, said her name in error, her real name in error. Which attorneys? Uh, um, defense or prosecution? One of the attorneys, uh, prosecution. One, no, so no, this no, is defense. their own witness. Oh, okay. Uh, defense said it once, and then the the witness said it accidentally once, but that shouldn't really matter. You, st- you can't just like, oh, she said it, so let's keep repeating her name. Um, but it wasn't so published it anywhere or anything. It was just, uh, I mean, I couldn't find it, but I didn't look super hard because, you know, I, I don't really want to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so what she told the court, um, Epstein and Maxwell first approached her at her summer camp. Hmm. Yeah. In Michigan. Uh, Epstein was a donor. The abuse went on from 14 to 16. And she said Maxwell, she testified that Maxwell was often in the room when it happened um so one of the attorneys Jeffrey, as in when the actual sexual encounters happened yeah she yeah. was there hang she out was there. yeah uh-huh um jeffrey pagluicha 
Pagluicha. I don't know. It's some super whoppy name. Um, he revealed the name, Jane's name, uh, in trial on Friday, despite repeated warnings from the judge. And then another attorney did it, this uh, Laura Menninger. Um, and then Jane accidentally did it. Hmm. So triple docs. I don't know. I think that this might be a tactic to intimidate her. But witness intimidation is a very serious crime. So I, I don't know. Do you think this was actually an accident? I haven't read enough about it to to uh, have a firm opinion on that. But of course, if it's happening, well, I guess it's not happening repeatedly by the same person. That would be an indicator of intent. Like if Binger was in Both there. Defense attorneys and then the witness herself. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, but both the attorney, so both defense attorneys did it once each. Yeah. And of course that's coming from an adversary in the courtroom and multiple times does get a little hard to excuse. Yeah, I think so. All right. We shall, we shall see what happens in that trial as well. Um, in another, well, uh, trial coming someday or maybe not, depending on what he decides to, to plead, uh, Daryl Brooks, the Waukesha SUV driver, the guy who, ran his uh his suv through the waukesha christmas parade two weeks ago he actually spoke publicly for the first time since the incident he spoke with fox news reporters on wednesday and brooks says he feels demonized and he's being portrayed as a monster and he feels dehumanized as well these uh fox news reporters were the first people to visit him he has not had any visits from friends or family uh, and if you'd like to know about the motive for the attack, still not officially named by investigators, no, Brooks did not give any of that information either. The interview was brief and cut short when Brooks started crying and got up and went back to his cell. As some on Twitter have noted, it's fairly understandable that he feels a little dehumanized since he's been referred to as a car for weeks on end. I think you can understand some of his complaints there. But uh, Brooks, of course, is facing several charges, including intentional homicide uh, in the attack that killed six and injured 62, though I have seen numbers on the injuries higher than that. I've seen up to 80. Mm -hmm. Depends on what what source you look at. But as of last weekend, I couldn't find current hospitalization numbers. But as of last weekend, seven children remain hospitalized. Presumably some still do. We also have an update in the uh, a little bit of the story of the msnbc reporter at the tail end of the rittenhouse trial you remember this msnbc producer and freelance reporter was caught by police running a red light while following the bus full of jurors this was a huge an act of huge media malfeasance that kind of got buried by the verdict itself which came roughly 48 hours later and of course this prompted uh, judge schrader to ban msnbc personnel from the courthouse the explanation at the time was that oh we weren't trying to intimidate jurors or even interact with them we were just trying to track down um, who they are presumably by their license plates so that we can call them once the verdict has been delivered and score interviews that was their explanation well this week the body cam footage of that traffic stop was released and that was the uh, explanation from this uh, from this freelance reporter, James Morrison, and his booking producer, Irene Bayon in New York. That's what they told to the police officer. Here was the actual exchange. So you, were you following a vehicle? I was trying to see. I was being called by New York going, maybe these are people you need to follow, but I, I don't know. I was trying to. You trying to what? Just do what they told me to do. New York told you to follow a vehicle? Yeah. I mean, it was discreet. I wasn't like, you know, you know talk to anybody. Just 
just trying to find a location. That's all. Do you have any, the person who told who called you and told you to do this? Yeah. You want to give me his information real quick? Give me a call. Sure. We were just trying to respectfully, um, just trying to see if it's um, if it's possible to um, to find any leads about um, about the the case, and so we were we. Uh, we were just keeping our distance um, just to see like where um, pe- people involved in, in the in the trial um, are positioned. We're going to ask you guys to not do that. All right, that's a concern here. This is huge. We can't afford anything crazy happening. We were just um, respectfully, um, politely. um, Yeah. Oh, well, that changes everything. It's like they said on court TV. Oh, he's a great guy. He's uh, (laughs) he's very polite when he's doing this jury intimidation. And even if you want to say, look, it, it wasn't jury intimidation. Their explanation being we're just trying to by their own description, identify the positions of these people, possibly even identify them. There's a reason that their anonymity is maintained throughout the trial, and that's to protect the integrity of the trial. Yep. They act like it's fine to try to identify these people, and that if you do that respectfully, it's no harm, no foul. Absolute scumbags. But uh, <laughs> yeah. will anything come of it? Probably not. I don't. I, I as far as I know, the only punishment no, they got. Nobody cares was, anymore. Yeah. They, nobody cares. Well, I don't know what happened to his traffic ticket. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say he totally got away with it. He might have had a minor traffic fine. Lastly, um, Joe Biden sounded very unwell this week, and you know, maybe he um, sounded even worse than November's jobs report, which was abysmal as usual. <laughs> and that's what he was addressing at the podium on Friday, at least in part. But he was asked about his health and he said he's fine. He just has a cold and he got it from his grandson who just can't stop kissing him. Mr. President, uh, your voice sounds a little different. Are you okay? I'm okay. I have a test every day to see a COVID test. I check me for all the strains. What I have is a one and a half year old grandson who had a cold who likes to kiss his pop. <laughs> and he'd been kissing it my anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but it's just a cold. Now, people are making a lot. The reason I'm laughing is because people on Twitter are. I, I, I want to accuse them of reaching, but then again, is anything too far of a reach? He says, he was kissing me on the... P- anyway. <laughs> kissing you on the... P- 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 what, Joe? What was he kissing Ooh. you on? You know, I don't want to extend too much, but these things do keep happening. Well, you know, stop touching kids if only for your health at this point. And in fairness to Joe, I looked it up because I thought, does he actually have a one and a half year old grandson? Are we talking about a grandson who's like 27? Um, no, Hunter does have a son who is one and a half years old. And if you were to catch a disease from any grandson, it would be Hunter's son, I think. So it might be a legit explanation. Oh. Joe also, of course, coughed into his hand as he is wont to do. He'll lecture you about wearing a mask and then cough straight into his hand. Yeah. Then hobble away. Well, let's talk a little Chris Cuomo. Earlier in the week, it was announced that Chris uh, Chris was suspended indefinitely on CNN after these new revelations of the extent to which he helped his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, fight off sexual assault and harassment claims. Yesterday, it was announced he's now canned for good. Here's the news breaking on CNN with Jim Acosta and Brian Stelter. This is CNN Breaking News. 
And we have breaking news to report to you right now about CNN anchor Chris Cuomo. Earlier this week, Cuomo was suspended from CNN after documents revealed he had been involved more than previously known in shaping his brother, former Governor Andrew Cuomo's defense. Cuomo, uh, Chris Cuomo, we should point out, has now been terminated here at CNN. That's the latest breaking news. Chris Cuomo, one of the most popular anchors at CNN, one of the best known names in television news, violated journalistic ethics and norms, not once or twice, but many times. And what that's is that? ultimately uh, what is the, the result of today's news, Jim. <sighs> violated journalistic integrity on CNN. What a fucking joke. I wish they had Jeffrey Tubin on, too. Make that yeah, tell me more. <laughs> Let's cut on Zoom to Jeffrey Tubin. Lubin um, Tubin. Yeah. What's what are the uh what are the details here? So yeah, these new revelations, um, to the extent to which he helped his brother, Andrew Cuomo, fight off sexual assault and harassment claims. Um, he is canned for good. I know they said suspended in that clip, but he got the sack on Saturday. Uh, what it seems is that these documents that are released by Letitia James show that Chris Cuomo used his press connections to help his brother's staff pry into the past of this woman who accused him of inappropriately touching her. I don't remember if this is one of the cases that we covered. There were the only reason so I'm smirking. I, I didn't know this was a Letitia op. I didn't it know was. she was behind Letitia. this. All right. Um, to, uh, audience, before you come, we know it's Letitia. I know. Yeah, right? but it's, it's Letitia. Look Letitia. at the spelling. Okay, it's um, Letitia. Right. And then he participated in all these strategy sessions aimed at helping the governor beat the sexual harassment scandal. Um, so what he originally told is he like uh, he said like I gave my opinion, uh, but really it was tons of information and, and direction. There were dozens of text messages between Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo's um, top aide discussing how to respond to these mounting allegations. And he tried to dig up dirt on Anna Ruck after she told the New York Times that Cuomo advanced on her during a wedding reception. We did talk about that one. And the the text says, I have a lead on the wedding girl. <laughs> it's just a bunch of stuff like that. I think he actually wrote some of um, Andrew's statements. Uh, yeah. And it's just back and forth about, about how he would be uh, perceived and how he would be the most sympathetic to the general public and everything. Um, he did admit that he offered his take regarding his brother's political troubles with which is more admission than most people would give. He did more than offer his take, but you know, he kind of told everybody that he did this. Yeah, I, I, I guess that the full extent of his involvement was not previously explicitly known. But you, I mean, come on, who didn't think he was pulling strings? He was not just yeah. advising. It, it was he, pretty clear course, he was pulling strings. And he, so even that I found to be a little bit hard to believe that that would be the distinguishing factor that would get him booted off mm -hmm. of uh, CNN. So you're wondering, well, what changed? And it appears at least part of what changed is none other than uh, Deborah Katz Deborah of Christine Katz. Blasey Ford yeah. fame striking again. Yeah, what, totally. what's the deal with this accusation? Um, so she is representing somebody that apparently has all of these sordid claims, explosive, revelatory claims about Chris Cuomo harassing her in the workplace. Um, remains to be seen. I'm sure they're they're nonsense. But she also represented uh, Governor Cuomo's former aide, Charlotte Bennett, who we talked about, um, who was uh, an employee of of him. I think that was she the wedding the wedding one. I can't remember. I am not 
I don't know the Cuomo accusers off the top. Of I think my head it was the all. one yeah. where uh, she was. He like put her hand, his hand on her butt in front of her husband. Uh, what about the that? boob one? There was one where he caressed a boob. She might have been the boob lady. Was that the same one? Well, there was I one where remember. the husband was standing there <laughs> and they were like appalled. And it's like, yeah. well, well, why didn't you kick his ass, dude? Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't know. I mean, I know this should make me hate him and question his journalistic integrity, but I never presume that he had any journalistic integrity. So this just makes me think like, oh, dude's a filthy Italian mobster and he's uh, helping out his family. And it it gives me a little Tony Soprano like like I kind of like him now. Well, I I can't fault a guy for sticking up for family solely. However, if you're willing to deceive others and violate the ethics of your profession while not owning up to that, I mean, that. There but are, he there had are a precedent here. here. Okay. Yeah. This is not the worst thing he's ever done. Well, it's, and it's not the worst thing done by an anchor on CNN. Don Lemon no. has uh, outstanding sexual assault claims against him that are still being adjudicated. Jeffrey Tubin did what he did. Deborah Katz, in her statement, is outright saying, I'm the reason that Cuomo got fired. She said yeah. in her statement here on Wednesday, December 1st, I contacted CNN to report my client's allegations of misconduct against Chris against Chris Cuomo. By Friday, I was in discussions with CNN about providing a do- providing documentary evidence of my client's allegations and making my client available for an interview with CNN's outside counsel. Last night, CNN acted promptly on my client's complaint and fired Mr. Cuomo. Now, I'm under no delusions that Deborah Katz is a perfect truth teller, but that is the claim from her. The reason Cuomo is gone is because of me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do, you, do you like him less or more? Now? Uh, I, I, I don't care. You know, I, like, <laughs> yeah. I never have liked Chris Cuomo. That said, I actually, my hatred, he's, he's low on the list of media figures I hate for whatever reason. I, I, maybe it's because I never had any delusions about him, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. So we'll is see. Is five I, four? I, is that true live chat? No. Uh, and Chris Cuomo Chris? has kind of had his his weird moments too. remember when he was like threatening to kick that guy's ass when he was called Fredo in public and he said Fredo's like the N word. Now, yeah. when I say moments, I don't mean like, wow, that's endearing. I just mean it was highly entertaining. And that's that's kind of how Chris <laughs> Cuomo is. It's like if someone was harassing me and my son in public, I would probably get a little confrontational with them, too. So I could appreciate yeah. I can appreciate or understand what he was doing in that case, even if Fredo is not the N word and you're not a victim in this like weird racialized way that you're claiming. Uh, I don't know. He's six two. It's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. It's okay. He's six two. And of course he's jacked from working out with his Cuomo brand dumbbells. Don't ever forget. And he's a monster douchebag leftist. We can all agree. I, I don't really care what happens to him, but this just isn't the worst thing that he, that he's done. I just don't really, I just don't really give a shit. Don't forget the drama of his basement, uh, basement departure when he had Corona, right. whenever that was. That was He's a whole like, this event is me too. coming upstairs for the first time. And then he was pictured outside, not wearing a mask, doing all sorts of stuff in whatever bougie town he's from. And then he was supposed to be on. He was supposed to be in isolation at home, but they went on a bike ride and he got in another fight. It was like going to kick some guy's <laughs> ass then, too. There's Speaking been... of fighting with uh, with people outside paparazzi. <laughs> is that an Alec Baldwin transition? Is that where you're yeah, going? Yeah, I mean, oh. I hate to spend tonight uh, defending douchebags that even I hate, but I don't know what it is about Chris Cuomo and and um, Alec Baldwin that I the ten percent of me finds it finds them endearing. I don't Do, know. What's I wrong kind with me. of get what you're saying about Cuomo. I don't get it about Alec Baldwin at all. It's Thirty Rock. It's a one hundred percent. It must it's 30 be rock. because this interview to me is um, not credible on the points of debate, 
but oh, yeah. assuredly false on the points of fact. For sure. So this week, Alec Baldwin gave a lengthy and highly produced interview to George Stephanopoulos on ABC. And I say highly produced, and this is part of what makes me skeptical of it. They made this into somewhat of a movie itself. They advertised it. They gave it a trailer. They put the dramatic lighting and they they put um, yeah. dramatic music behind the interview throughout. It was like, just shut the hell up and tell me what happened, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is the first time since the October 21st accidental shooting on the set of Rust that Baldwin is speaking in detail about the incident. Now, recall Baldwin was rehearsing a scene uh, pointing a 45 caliber single action revolver and for reasons still unknown or at least officially declared by investigators, there was a live round in the chamber and the gun fired, fatally striking cinematographer Helena, uh, Helena Hutchins and also hitting director Joel Souza, who survived. And as I mentioned, this interview contains some debatable interpretations and um, of of who's responsible or who's at fault. And then there are these claims of fact that I just I there's almost no way these things are true. But walk through a few of the the claims and the themes. First of all, uh, Alec Baldwin says at the start, he says, when I'm talking about this, I want to be very clear. I'm not the victim. There were two victims. Um, they were shot. One is dead. But there's a lot of buts in what he's saying. It's not this, but it's that I'm not the victim. But I also feel no responsibility or guilt. That's what Alec Baldwin says. When I talk about this, my concern is that I don't sound like I'm the victim because there is a victim. There's a woman who died and my friend got shot. You felt shock. You felt anger. You felt sadness. Do you feel guilt? No, no. I feel that there is, I, I feel that, that, that uh, someone is responsible for what happened and I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. Okay. How could you not feel guilty? I, I do find that to be a pretty astounding claim. What a Obvious, psycho. Where's the endearing part? You're going to have to flag me down and let me know. <laughs> 30 Rock. But, is Jack Donaghy. I don't know. Oh, it was 10 years ago on a different comedy show. Yeah. Um, all right. I don't know how anybody, whether or not you're accepting fault. First of all, there's no way he doesn't feel guilty. I think that this is a legal move. It does. He doesn't want to accept any blame. As we'll get to in a minute, from a legal perspective, this entire interview makes no sense regardless. But even if you want to argue that it's personally beneficial for some way, getting on the air and saying, yeah, I feel guilt because I have guilt, um, that would not be legally advisable either. So I do get that. None of this is legally advisable. What is he doing doing this interview? Well, I, I, as far as I understand, he didn't explain his specific reasons why other. Well, I guess. No, he did at the start. George Stephanopoulos said, um, why are you why are you doing this interview or something to that effect? And he said, well, the investigation could take months. And my story is really it's really important that my story is out there before that investigation has concluded. Why? That's so self-serving. Uh, I don't know. But that's what he said. Um, so obviously, I understand not wanting to admit guilt from a legal perspective. But if it's true that he actually feels no guilt in his heart for what happened, that's that's very bizarre. Even if you yeah. feel like. I'm not responsible. If you, if, if a person's dead and another's injured from a gun that fired while it was in your hand, it's hard to imagine not feeling any sort of responsibility or guilt for that, whether or not you bear legal responsibility for it or not. Yeah. So I found that to be somewhat of a, a bizarre claim, absent the legal reasons you would make it. But, um, 
you, he also, so if he's not responsible, he says, I'm not responsible. The question then becomes who is responsible. And maybe you wonder, okay, even if you want to say that, that Alec Baldwin doesn't have responsibility as the holder of the gun, because he's not the person in charge of gun safety or handling guns on the set. Doesn't he have some kind of responsibility as a producer? He's not just the actor in this case, he's a producer on this movie. In other words, the people who are in charge of hiring people, firing people, managing the set, managing the props, all of those things. Well, no, says Alec Baldwin, because he was only responsible as a producer for casting and script, not for hiring or managing any set staff. That's maybe that's true. Maybe that's convenient. So who is responsible? Who are the names? Well, he names three people, the assistant director, Dave Halls, and the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez. We've talked about both at length. Uh, both of them, of course, were responsible for handling weapons on the set. And he says that Dave Halls told him the gun was cold. We'll get to that in a minute. But to a lesser extent, Baldwin also appears to blame Hutchins, the woman who was shot and died, because she was directing Baldwin how and where to point the gun when it went off. My authorities as a producer are casting and script, which are actually married to the role of being a lead actor in a film. So you're not the kind of producer who's looking at the line item of each budget? No, 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 no. no. I'm handed a gun and someone declares, they said, this is a cold gun. Dave Halls? Oh, the, 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 the first AD. I, I got countless people online saying, you, you idiot, you never point a gun at someone. Well, unless you're told it's empty. And it's the director of photography who's instructing you on, on the angle for a shot we're going to do. And that's not her responsibility. That's not my responsibility. Whose responsibility is remains to be seen. But I do, well, there but are I, some who say you're never supposed to point a gun at anyone on a set, no matter what. Unless the person is the cinematographer who's directing me where to point the gun for her camera angle. Hmm. Hmm. It's sort of a conflicting claim. To be as fair as possible, he's saying it's not Hutchins' fault because whether the gun was chambered or whether there was a live round in the chamber or not is not her responsibility. However, the reason I was pointing the gun at her is because she's telling me to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's at bare minimum, a level of responsibility he's assigning to her beyond what he accepts himself. Yeah. Yeah. Arguably victim blaming. And he also, maybe you wonder if you're like me, you might wonder, um, okay, I, I can agree that maybe actors aren't and shouldn't be, primarily responsible for uh, checking set firearms yeah. um, for safety. And the person responsible for that job probably gets the primary blame for what happened here. But you might wonder what's the harm in having that armorer give you a visual inspection of the weapon and showing you the chamber is empty before you handle it. What's wrong with redundancy in the process? Why, why can't you check it yourself, potentially? Why didn't that happen? Well, Alex says um, he's done. He's had that visual inspection done for him on other sets, but it didn't happen on this set because that's not what this armorer and this assistant director did. And he trusted them to do their jobs. And the prop person would come and sometimes they would insist on demonstrating for you and the camera crew. They take the gun, if it was a contemporary gun, they show you the chamber, they show you the clip, they say, the gun is cold. And you look and go, thank you. Sometimes that would happen. Not all the time. Well, but no, no, sometimes they wouldn't demonstrate to me. Some insisted on demonstrating. They would do the demonstration for everybody there right before we rolled the camera. Then there were others who they didn't do that because I trusted them to do the job. How do you respond to actors like George Clooney who say that every time they were handed a gun, they checked it themselves? You have your, if your protocol is you check the gun every time, well, good for you. Good for you. 
well it's not it's not really good for you it's good for the people on your set who don't get shot don't die yeah on account of your you know proper yeah. safety protocols um and it's not good for you it, it was literally the difference between life and death it's not like a well your, your favorite color is blue good for you no this was hugely consequential not just good mm-hmm. for you and this is where we depart from just who's responsible what are good safety protocols and what is somewhat debatable to claims of fact that I find just entirely unbelievable. So um, the first of which is, is specifically how the shooting happened. Alex says that he cocked the hammer on this single action revolver and released it. And when he released the hammer with his thumb, the hammer just slammed forward, which caused the gun to fire. So I take the gun and I start to cock the gun. I'm not going to pull the trigger. I, I said, do you see that? She goes, well, just cheat it down and tilt it down a little bit like that. And I cock the gun. I go, can you see that? And she says, and then I let go of the hammer of the gun and the gun goes off. I let go of the hammer of the gun and the gun goes off. At the moment. The decisive that was the moment. moment the gun went off, yeah. That was the moment the gun went off. It wasn't in the script for the trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So no. you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. Okay, well, that's this, clearly what happened. Uh, otherwise, this this wouldn't have happened this way. Yeah, I mean, what he's describing is is borderline impossible. If people aren't familiar, um, single action revolver like this, just think of an old school cowboy gun, right? It's one of those revolvers, and you got to cock that hammer with your thumb each time you fire it. Or sometimes they get fanned in old westerns where they're manipulating the hammer with right. their uh, offhand like that. So this analysis is from uh, Stephen uh, Gutowski over at the reload, just explaining the possible scenarios that could have happened if what if any part of what Alec Baldwin is saying there is true. So uh, it reads when the hammer is pulled back on a single action revolver, a series of sears are engaged, which prevent it from moving back toward the chamber without the trigger being depressed. There are scenarios where the gun might be able to fire after the hammer is pulled back, but without the trigger being pulled. However, they're even more unlikely than a misfire with the hammer all the way down. The first is that Baldwin managed to pull the hammer back far enough that releasing created a strong enough strike against the primer to set it off, but not far enough to engage the sear at a quarter or a half cock. That is frankly implausible. The next possibility is a physical defect with the gun. The sears could have been so worn out that they don't catch the hammer as Baldwin manipulates it, but that's not likely either, since it would be clear to everyone who handled the gun that it was broken. What seems far more likely is Baldwin kept the trigger depressed as he pulled the hammer back. Then when he released the hammer, the trigger kept the sears out of the way and the gun was fired. Perhaps Baldwin is making some kind of semantic argument about pulling a trigger rather than keeping it depressed while cocking the hammer. But that's a distinction without a difference. So if that's what happened, it it could be possible, too, that maybe he's holding the gun in some sort of way that keeps the trigger depressed while he cocks the hammer, in which case it would spring forward and potentially fire the gun. Uh, But I I just find what he's saying here to be that that's the only plausible explanation, as far as I understand, is that somehow the trigger was already depressed and that and that's what happened. Or he's just lying and he pulled the trigger whether he knew it or didn't know it you know so i don't know what do you what do you make of that do you buy any of the things he's saying there no i think he's probably trying to uh rationalize to himself why he's not responsible for this when he obviously shares at least some responsibility i mean uh i think that he should have gone a different way and been like listen i trusted inexperienced people too much 
Um, and I'm not firearms trained, so I made uh, errors in safety. Yeah. Well, then the question then becomes, okay, strictly script and casting guy, why are you part of a production team that's hiring unsafe, ill-prepared, inexperienced people? But that, that wasn't his area in production. It was just script and casting, remember. To be fair, I do think that there are... That it, the actor shouldn't be solely responsible for something like that. Actors are stupid and their entire jobs are is to do what they're told. I'm not saying he bears no responsibility in this. He obviously should have not pointed the gun at a person, no matter what he's being told. Um, and I don't even know if I believe that. Well, uh, I, But why was there a live round in there? We, we still don't know. And he and that's the question know. he wants to get answered to. We don't know. And the best explanation I've heard is the claim that they, that the, the production staff or members of, the people working on the movie were out target shooting those guns earlier that morning. And whoopsie, they got put back into the uh, into the set with uh, potentially live rounds mm-hmm. still in them. Yeah. So um, and as far as far as talking about should actors be responsible, and I agree that that um, you're going to have a firearm safety person on the set beyond the actors. Of course, if I was designing this for myself, I'm not going to trust actors for firearm safety. Right. However, I get very weary when you listen to interviews like this with Stephanopoulos and Baldwin and others, it's almost implied that you need combat experience or like some high level expertise to know how to check to see if a gun is chambered or not. What you need is about 30 minutes of demonstration before you start shooting the movie. And maybe just a reminder, Hey, this is our protocol. I'm going to show you that the gun is cleared. I'm going to hand it to you. And then I want you to check it yourself too. And then we're good to go. Yep. Simple as that. That takes an extra five seconds. Every uh, scene that you shoot, but you don't have to be a genius to, uh, in this case, check the chambers of that revolver or you know, know. whatever gun you're handling. It's not complicated. <sighs> anyway, um, it's, it's, that might not the, the claim about the trigger might actually not be the most unbelievable claim of fact that he made. He also said that when he uh, right after he shot Hutchins and Souza, he had no idea that they were shot. In fact, uh, he thought that they were just having some sort of health episode and he didn't realize or know they had been shot until 45 minutes to an hour later when he was informed by sheriff's deputies. He heard the gun goes down. I thought to myself, did she faint? The notion that there was a live round in that gun did not dawn on me till probably 45 minutes to an hour later. No one could understand, did she have a heart attack? No one had any idea until that police officer, that sheriff's officer said to me, this is the slug, 45 caliber slug they took out of Joel's arm. Okay, so he heard the the gun go off, he assumed that it was the sound of a blank. Is that what he's saying? I guess. He also says in this part of the interview, I sometimes... However, the, how this works on with these guns, I'm not clear, but he talks about paper or some kind of wad being shot out of the gun that can hit people. I'm not sure what he means there, but maybe there's maybe that's it. Maybe you have blanks that that still can produce some sort of projectile that can hit people. But I, I find this claim to be literally impossible to believe. Yeah. Um, first of all, even if you thought Helena Hutchins was having a weird health episode, did she faint? Uh, you had two people who were shot. You had one right. round that pierced her and then goes into the shoulder arm area of the director, Souza. Secondly, uh, Helena Hutchins was not immediately unconscious or dead. According to reports, she was speaking right after being shot. She did have some last words. Mm-hmm. So 
Why, Alex? Why? She's not unconscious, or like fainted. She's not passed out, apparently. And and according to Baldwin's uh, own story, you wonder how do you, how could two people have a simultaneous heart attack or something? Later in the interview, he says, "Oh yeah, Joel Souza, the director, he was um, he was screaming right after being shot." When she went down, he went down, and he was screaming really loudly. And I thought, "What is he screaming? What happened?" Okay, so why are they both screaming after an explosion <laughs> came out of the barrel of my gun? Come on, man, I, that that I find to be completely ridiculous there is no way he didn't think for an entire hour i wonder if that was a live round he's he's mm. he's walking around for an hour thinking it's pretty weird that they both had heart attacks at the same time at right same after time, i shot that yeah. blank the live shot is saying that a wad comes out before a blank okay so if you're using blanks it's potential that there's some sort of paper projectile is that yeah, how that I works i could not have worded that worse but yes <laughs> yeah i don't know how how the function of that stuff works but You'd think that'd be pretty easy to check. Hey, did you get hit with a chunk of paper or are you bleeding out all over from a cavity in your uh, in your chest? Yeah. And granted, he's not the medic on the scene either. But um, you would think that it you would think that if, if that's a normal experience, as he describes, you're working with blanks and someone gets shot with a chunk of paper that happens all the time. I'm guessing this experience was slightly different than that experience would be. I mean, do you think that, that he did this on purpose? Are we going to go that deep that this is all some op, some sort of uh, Viva well, Fry went there kind of. Well, what's the angle? Is it the Hillary angle with her husband or what? what's the what's the motive? Truth be told, I was not uh, paying super close attention when I put his video on. I got distracted by my screaming baby. So I don't know hmm. what he said. Um, but th- there is a school of thought that this perhaps was an intentional shooting. All right. I'll have to. I, I can't comment on that without knowledge of why he would want to do that or a theory of why he would want to do that but perhaps it's out there uh also want to talk about how obviously unwise legally it is for him to do this interview now baldwin has said he thinks it's highly unlikely that he faces charges but that's not what the da in santa fe is saying first uh judicial district attorney mary carmack Altwise, Altwise, uh, she said Friday that, quote, certain individuals may be criminally culpable for his or her actions and or inactions on the set of Rust. And it's believed this is a direct response to Alec Baldwin's interview. She also noted that she plans to, quote, exercise my prosecutorial discretion to its fullest, including filing charges that are supported by probable cause. She says that her office is, quote, exploring various legal theories at the time. She also says, quote, everyone involved in the handling and use of firearms on the set had a duty to behave in a manner such that the safety of others was protected. And it appears that certain actions and inactions contributed to this outcome. So she's absolutely not clearing Alec Baldwin of any criminal criminal culpability. Right, right. Yeah. And in that context, I have to wonder why would Alec Baldwin do that interview? He's either hugely arrogant, which is the easiest explanation and quite possibly true, or he knows something. Does he does he have some knowledge that he's in the clear that other people don't know? I, I, don't know. I doubt it. I doubt it. I think this is actor ego nonsense. And he wanted to get his story out there and show everybody how sad he is and all this. And I'm only susceptible to it because of my female nonsense. Remember that when you think women should vote. <laughs> noted uh, excellent argument remember that baldwin is also facing two civil lawsuits as well um with more possible so it's not just the criminal um liability he may have he might have um civil liability as well so 
that uh, also has to be considered in the uh, what appears to be an unwise decision here. I did see someone comment this week, too, and I wish it would have happened. Uh, people were saying if Saturday Night Live had any capability of humor anymore, they would have hired Donald Trump to play Alec Baldwin on Saturday Night Live this week. Imagine how incredible that oh, was. <laughs> Didn't happen, of course. But uh, that's where we stand with Alec Baldwin. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest piece of new information out of this is that he says he never even pulled the trigger at all. We'll see what the investigation reveals. But that's all we got for now. Hmm. Probably yes. due for a little bit of an early break before we get sure. into the Michigan school shooting, because that's going to be uh, a pretty deep topic as well. Sure. Alec didn't pull the trigger. Let's see. Where who's the who's the first person on this show? I gotta go way back. This great listening material. Um, Jeffrey O'Neill. Back to reality after the third Melbourne Christmas party, the infamous Shaniqua showed off her bottom surgery, shouting free the the, the nipple. Ooh. Much alcohol and philosophical discussions were had. Life is good. Oh, well, Merry Christmas. I'm glad you guys uh haven't been shipped off to the Howard Springs quarantine camp just yet of course you're not in northern territory anyway but you know shanique was stunning and brave right what he means shanique was stunning and brave right who means what what do you mean jeffrey o'neill the infamous shanique was showing oh, off her oh, bottom yeah. surgery it yeah, must yeah. be yeah so if you guys have a picture it is australian is that true yeah yeah we've had photos before really yeah this uh <sighs> this christmas gathering is somewhat of a tradition that's what they're saying right send send I'm us a sorry, photo guys my, my brain appreciate it doesn't work. Grim turd. Happy holidays to you and your families. It's been a minute since I've been able to catch a live show. Here's my rent money. <laughs> Plus, everyone should hit the like button because dislikes don't exist anymore. Yeah. You don't like the show? It, it doesn't matter. Truly does not matter. It, it does. Uh, speaking of Viva Fry, I saw him making that argument on Twitter this week, too. It's like, um, not only do I want, he was saying, uh, yeah, I want dislikes out there. Not only in the interest of transparency and sort of accountability to the creator, but I want people looking at my videos to be able to see, like in his case, he was saying my videos are 99% liked on average. I want that yeah. to be, it's yeah. only fair that I get credit for that. Yep. But I know. we got to protect the know. small creators over at ABC. I'm sure Whatever. George Stephanopoulos, the small creator was very well protected with yeah. his, uh, with his Alec Baldwin interview. Good for him. Peter Edwards, the lion's mat. Seriously. Oh, I see. Well, <laughs> I don't want to talk football with, uh, you know, I don't want to bore blonde to death, but is there a lions team? Detroit lions. Yeah. Uh, you could, uh, you could have predicted that from a mile away. And, um, as a Vikings fan, not even that mad. Cause it means that Zimmer will go once and for all. He hasn't been fired yet that I've seen, but, uh, okay. You... It's the Detroit lions. And you're talking about how something really predictable happened. So the, so the QB, don't tell me, I'm, I'm going to guess the QB got arrested for committing a drive-by shooting and he hit one of the linebackers. <laughs> now that would be fitting. Um, actually it's just that the lions were winless. They were 0 10 and one today oh. and the Vikings went to Detroit and lost the game. Oh, do so they the Vikings suck? got their first win and uh, related to our upcoming topic, they dedicated their win to the victims of the Oxford high school shooting in Michigan. Hmm. Why am I smiling? This, this, this whole yeah. thing is sad. Um, I bought PN sanityist safe space ever <laughs> thank you we try pep skaggy and i once made love then he rage quit signed off and i haven't seen him since my heart is broken finally made it through all your videos all skags videos i'm glad Holy to hear smoke. that because you shouldn't watch the old material but thank you for it's good you giving look it a way chance. young in those pictures. you still look like younger than your age but back in those videos 
man, just baby face skag. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it, man. And all the best to your family. Thank you. Uh, finger binger. Alec has more confirmed kills than 99.99% of the NRA and still doesn't know how revolvers work or any firearm for that matter. That's true. And the answer, of course, they didn't get into it too much, but the answer is to take away your guns. That's what we'll get to eventually. Yep. Robin D. Banks. Fare thee well, Fredo. Gone before his time. That lol cow. Still a lot of milk left, but he was a giver. He was fired for doing what he loved, spreading BS and propaganda. Oh, no. That sucks. They haven't said who's going to replace him yet, have they? I wonder who's going to take that post-lemon slot. <laughs> or is it pre-lemon? Which one goes first? Uh, which one's the know. top and which one's the bottom? How about yeah, that? I, I truly don't even know. I've, I've never watched CNN like as it airs on television. So I, I think it's lemon first, then Cuomo, which means <laughs> I'm probably wrong and I have it backwards. Darth Crypto, dude, check my email. I could get you my major guess. My viral content debunked the Rittenhouse drone. I have a bit of him actually raising it. Hit me back, bro. Search email for Def Not Darth. All right. Thanks for supporting the stream, man. Appreciate it. Rocky Mountain Monk. Hi, guys. I'm having a Matt and Blonde weekend. Yesterday, I was at a meetup with Denver Gang. Today, I'm hanging out with the Cheyenne crew. We're smoking cigars, sipping whiskey, and watching the show. Cheers. Hi. Well, uh, all the best to the Cheyenne crew. And again, if the winter camp plan materializes, I want to see some photos. Yeah, of that. they're going to have to get so drunk to tolerate <laughs> that cold. Um, let's circle back. Yeah. Let me uh, check on D live and tippy stream D live. I opened the treasure chest for you guys. Thanks for tuning in over there. We're good in the chat and tippy stream. Got to hit a reload here. Let's see what we got. Well, I should have been prepared, my fault. But here we go. Uh, Phil. Oh, Phil is circling back about Seth Rogen, which I meant, mentioned on Wednesday. His Christmas movie is not being well received. Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman's Christmas movie. Seth Rogen no. is still running around complaining about anti-Semitism after putting out that terrible show he just made. Here's the thing, though. He's devoted to the children. He's devoted to the children's lifestyle. So he's doing us all a favor. <laughs> a future with fewer Seth Rogan's how about and uh, Sarah Silverman's maybe Mm. Um, what do they have in common that trailer is something else the Santa Inc trailer is something else and if you want to well you can't dislike it but if you want to see some of the most hilarious uh, YouTube comment sections that exist head on over to a trailer of Santa Inc I think in the official one they disabled comments but you can still find other posts and um, uh, it's good uh, lunchtime reading material if you need entertainment Phil also says, I see that Dr. Oz is running for Senate in Pennsylvania in 2022. Hopefully Pennsylvania voters have the sense to reject <laughs> this Turkish Muslim from, is he a Turkish Muslim? Dr. Oz is, I didn't know that. Is he really? I, don't know I have that. no idea. If we had a serious country, um, dual citizens wouldn't be uh, able to hold political office. He has to go back. Says Phil, is he a Turkish dual citizen? Are these accurate oh, claims? I don't know. Or is this, look? inflammatory defamation from Dr. Phil. Dr. Oz, Thank dirty you, Phil. muzzy. Oh, I shouldn't type <laughs> Fluffer boy says, man, I once made love. I told him about his civic duty for his ass to take a beating when he looked back, uh, when he looked back at me and asked how much more I was going to, <laughs> I said just one more foot. All right. Thank you. It's Fuck true. around and find out. Crypto Crook says this is a weekly reminder that BLM is a terrorist organization and has to be treated as such. 
Uh, all of the donations to this organization must be considered as financing of terrorism. Well, I, I don't dispute that point, but even the um, just the fraud that goes on in that organization, you're supposed to be div- you're supposed to be. Uh, or ostensibly are donating to some sort of racial justice charity. There was a case of that albino black guy in Atlanta who got thousands of dollars in Black Lives Matter donations and used it to buy houses. We also know who's that lady who was in charge of the national organization and owns multi-million right. She bought a dollar. huge house in California, didn't she? Or it's, it's either that she owns a multi-million dollar home or the value of all of her homes combined into multi-million dollar values but Hmm. but yeah there's huge fraud angles there too Um, phil says if we're going to start changing or charging parents for the crimes of their children can we start for uh for can i can i say 13 percent? is that too hateful or is it tracking down oh oh phil says we should do that but tracking down the fathers is going to be difficult that's (laughs) that's that's what uh phil has to say on that topic all right uh mojack 420 says have you watched al sharpton's reaction to the ahmaud arbery father uh, father speech after uh, that went viral after he said all lives matter there's a youtube link here i can't watch it at the moment but i haven't seen that i did see that ahmaud arbery's dad said all lives matter but i didn't listen to the speech so i don't i don't know exactly what was said or what was meant um, anyway, we will come back to your chats later in the show. Appreciate them as always. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Let's get back uh, into the news. And we got to get into this uh, this Michigan shooting, this school shooting, and the announcement late in the week that that not only is the school shooter charged, properly so, but the parents are now being charged with a count of um, involuntary manslaughter for each each person who was killed in the shooting. So let's start with the facts of the shooting itself and what exactly we know about it. Uh, Sure. How did I not put the name of the shooter in this? It's It's, Ethan uh, Combs, right? Crumbly, right? Ethan Crumbly. At least the parents' names are Crumbly. So I believe his is Crumbly. Um, So police first received this emergency call from a high school 40 miles outside of Detroit. This was Tuesday around 1 p.m. The suspect surrendered five minutes after police were called when officers confronted the teenager in a school corridor and no shots were fired during the rest. Uh, The arrest, the suspect was not injured and he was carrying a semi-automatic handgun that still had seven rounds of ammunition in it. Um, So it's from what I read and from witness accounts, it sounds like he got some people in the hallways and he lured people out of classrooms by pretending that he was a sheriff, which is. Yeah, there's video of that. Um, Hey, come out. It's the sheriff. It's all clear out here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A lot of kids didn't buy it, which was good. He killed four. He injured eight, seven students and a teacher. Um, Three are still in critical condition with gunshot wounds, including a 14 year old girl who's on a ventilator after surgery. And then a 14-year-old boy is in serious condition with a gunshot wound to the jaw and head. Three students are in stable condition. The teacher who was shot, I think, through the arm was discharged. Um, And what's remarkable about this is that there were rumors circulating about this kid and what was going to happen. And a bunch of kids stayed home and told their parents, like, something ain't right. I'm not going to school today. There are rumors that something's going to go down. And, And nobody seemed... Did anybody contact the school to tell them? Did any of these parents, like... I don't know if I'm aware of that specific warning, but of course the warning signs from the kid 
were there, as I'll get oh, into no, in a, a minute. A bunch of kids stayed home from school that day, told their parents that there yeah. were rumors circulating. That See, I hadn't heard that, like but, but, yeah. the, but the school personnel had reason to be very wary of this kid prior, of course. So combination of factors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, parents were informed this this uh, chick, uh, Jody Job, she told uh, the Detroit Free Press that her son had skipped school because he felt like something was going to go down that day. Well, that's kind of weird. weird phrasing. It felt like or had specific intel. Those are. If you're staying home from school, you've heard specifically that something yeah. is going to happen. Strange. OK, that I hadn't heard that prior. But the the development late in the week is that the parents of um, this teenager accused, of course, of um, of of shooting four people in this. Uh, let me get rid of that. Shooting the people at the uh, high school here um, have now been themselves charged with uh, involuntary manslaughter mm-hmm. uh, for each of the uh, each of the people killed in the shooting. And the pre- uh, the prosecutor had a press conference on Friday. And this is Oakland County District Attorney Karen McDonald announcing the charges uh, uh, for these parents under the theory that their recklessness enabled or caused these murders. And we'll get to exactly what she said in a minute. But um, on its face, this is a somewhat uh, somewhat of an incoherent charging decision, at least to charge the kid as an adult, which he is being charged as an adult, but also charge the parents for a failure to look after their what their kid their child so that is a little odd in and of itself but the theory of the prosecution here is a little more complicated than just the parent-child relationship so the prosecutor gets up at the podium on friday and outlines the fact pattern as she understands it as this on black friday the father james buys a six hour nine millimeter handgun with his son ethan Shortly thereafter, Ethan posts on social media bragging about his new gun. Mom, Jennifer, also posts on social media saying the gun was a Christmas present for Ethan. The pair were apparently shooting at a range is what this post was about. Now, just prior to um, the gun buy on November 21st, a teacher caught Ethan searching for ammo on his phone at school. The school called parents and didn't hear back from them. But mom, Jennifer, texted Ethan saying, quote, lol, I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught. On November 30th, 2021, the morning of the shooting, a teacher sees that Ethan made a disturbing drawing of a gun that said, quote, the thoughts won't stop me or the thought. No, the thoughts won't stop. Rather, Um, a drawing of a bullet with blood everywhere or writing of blood everywhere, plus a drawing of a person shot and a laughing emoji. The drawing also read, quote, my life is useless and the world is dead. Also help me. So the teacher catches this drawing and these writings. Parents, James and Jennifer were called to the school for a meeting and they were shown the drawing and advised that they had to get their son into counseling within 48 hours. Now the parents did not, um, ask Ethan where the gun was or if he had it at this time. Ethan actually did have the gun at the time of this meeting. So as far as I understand, this is immediately prior to the shooting. It was in his backpack. James and Jennifer then left the school without their son and Ethan went back to class. So if I'm understanding this fact pattern correctly, this kid was drawing really sketchy stuff, actually had a gun in his backpack at the time, gets called effectively to the principal's office. Parents get called in. They all have a meeting about it. Nobody actually checks the backpack. Parents go home. School personnel send the kid back to class. And the shooting commences. And at 1.22 p.m., once the shooting news broke, Jennifer texts Ethan saying, Ethan, don't do it. 
At 1.37 p.m., <laughs> James called 911 reporting a gun missing from his home and that he believed his son was this Oxford shooter. Now, the prosecutor, as part of this press conference, alleged the gun was stored unlocked in James and Jennifer's bedroom. Now, in addition to these facts, which she out, the prosecutor outlines in about a 20-minute press conference, three things I think you should take note of during this press conference. Number one, she goes right after gun owners in general. Not these parents specifically, not this shooter specifically. Gun owners. It's all you gun owners. And she says anyone who could have stopped this event but didn't is potentially culpable. And she's not actually able to articulate what laws, if any, the parents actually broke in their right. recklessness, at least with respect to gun laws in Michigan. Here is some of her commentary. I want to be really clear that these charges are intended to hold the individuals who contributed to this tragedy accountable and also send a message that gun owners have a responsibility. When they fail to uphold that responsibility, there are serious and criminal consequences. Were there any missteps by the school? Should they have reported right away to law enforcement after seeing those images? Any individual who had the opportunity to stop this tragedy should have done so. The question is, what did they know? And when did they know it? What are Michigan's laws regarding bringing a child to a firing range and practicing with them? States have different rules on that. I'm not sure where we're at. Good question. Michigan's laws are woefully inadequate. We don't have a safe storage law. We're not legally required to store your weapon in a safe manner. Children are allowed to attend with their parents so long as their parents is present. So the answer to that question is we don't have strong enough laws. Hmm. Uh, That's not an answer. Uh, then how can you possibly be doing this? Yeah. Uh, and, and before we get into that, I will say, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think we'd probably agree. Let me know if you don't. But mistakes were made by these parents, and it appears by the school, too. Anytime your son becomes a school shooter, uh, not a great parenting job. I think yeah. that's fair to say. Yeah. Anytime the school sees drawings of shootings and then says, oh, get back to class, champ. <laughs> think about what you've done. Right. And then a shooting happens immediately after. Mistakes were probably made there as well. Not a great school security job. So I'm not defending nothing of the legal precedent, though. Right. I'm not defending these parents morally or from a parent parental philosophy perspective. But this prosecutor's standard of criminal recklessness or negligence, uh, very, very flimsy. So first of all, she says that the gun was unlocked. And that is now disputed by the parents. According to the Crumbly's attorney, Uh, At their arraignment hearing yesterday, the gun was, in fact, locked. Now, obviously, if it was the intent to keep access away from Ethan or anybody else, uh, not locked very well. If it was locked, Ethan presumably had access to to the code or he had access to the key or he broke the lock somehow. But... I just want to be wary of because as as this author is speculating here in this article, it this is how things like the Rittenhouse lies happen. It's just a prosecutor says it media runs with those claims and you only find out later. That's that's actually bullshit. But let's say that this was an actually a poor gun security job. It was just hanging out in the parents bedroom, just sitting there on the end table unsecured um, is poor gun security a crime in Michigan. Well, you just heard that prosecutor say, uh, no, 
There is no yeah. so-called safe storage law in Michigan, which would require you to store your gun in a certain way within your home. Um, you can store your guns within your home however you please. And we can debate the wisdom of that. It's hard to do without knowing exactly how they stored their gun here because that's disputed. But as a legal matter, your property, you do what you want. Another thing to consider, as much as um, you kind of winced a little bit at that social media post from from mom, hey, check out the Christmas present we got for Ethan while we're at the gun range. P- potentially unwise, maybe. Um, is it criminal, though? I- is that itself indicative of or part of or otherwise a crime? I suppose not. I mean, th- this is a failure of parenting, so I understand... I'm sympathetic to both sides here, but I don't know that they're going to get them on anything criminal unless they actually did flee, which is disputed as well. That's still disputed, too. We probably should mention they they had this arraignment hearing yesterday after they were supposedly, well, according to police and the prosecutor, they were on the run and then they were detained at this. What was it? Some kind of office building? Yeah. Yeah. Or it and, was like an art, something like that, like an art building, something and the, the 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 defense attorney for the parents is saying we were never trying to flee. It was miscommunication that we missed our arraignment meeting on Friday. They're saying that that we had to leave our home because of threats and other uh, there was there were threats against us. We didn't feel safe. So we had to seek refuge elsewhere. And we accidentally missed a meeting or we missed a meeting because of miscommunication. That's their perspective. So were they fugitives from justice? Was there miscommunication that's disputed as far as I can tell at this point? So, okay, safe, safe storage, debate the wisdom, not a crime in Michigan. Um, Social media posts about being at the range with your son, debate the wisdom, not a crime in Michigan by the prosecutor's own admissions. Uh, And then the prosecutor, I mean, she outright admits this when she says Michigan's gun laws are woefully inadequate. Okay, so are you prosecuting on the basis of what Michigan's gun laws are? Should be. (laughs) Or what you want them to be in imagination land. And this other legal theory that she has, or at least that she just mentions in passing, anybody who could have stopped this has a duty to. I mean, that's not, I suppose, an outrageous contention, and it's sort of unclear if she's speaking legally or just in the moral sense. But you have to ask, why does this logic in her prosecutorial philosophy not extend to the school personnel? On Friday, the Oakland County Sheriff said if the school had included resource officers in meetings with parents over concerns with violence, his office would have taken action to be sure that Ethan had no access to guns. Additionally, school superintendent, uh, the school superintendent notes that there was no discipline of this kid before the shooting happened, despite some apparent repeated warning signs. And, And I'm not arguing that you prosecute school personnel either necessarily, but based on the prosecutor's reasoning, I don't see how you go after the parents and not the school um, if they show the same level of negligence in failing to intervene, despite these prior warnings, I suppose you could argue that the nature of the relationship between parents and the school is a little bit different. Maybe. I, well, the parents would have so much more information. Yeah, I, I, I just uh, I, I, for her to say that anybody who could have stopped this should have. But I'm going specifically after the parents on the on that basis. I just find to be a little inconsistent. Um, and, and of course, if the parents had this obligation to search the backpack to find the gun or to, uh, why didn't the school have the same obligation if they know that this kid is doing and, and drawing and writing troubled things, it seems like a, a fair question to ask him. Do you have access to weapons? You're not carrying a weapon, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, um, to, to wrap that all up, if you're asking me if these parents did anything, uh, did anything or did nothing wrong, my answer is they definitely did stuff wrong. For sure. Yeah. Given the result. 
But if you're going to ask me if these parents are guilty of involuntary manslaughter based on the um, the facts and the law at issue, I think that's a very slippery, slippery standard. There's no way they're going to be able to to charge. Well, they've charged them with that. There's no way they're going to be able to convict them. Of yeah. That. And I, I was just th- considering some hypotheticals and these aren't perfect hypotheticals or perfect analogies, of course, but they're roughly analogous. Um, let's say that someone breaks into your home, steals an unsecured gun from your house and kills your neighbors. Are you guilty of involuntary manslaughter for your failure to secure the gun within your home? Now, Ethan's not a burglar in his own home necessarily, but the principles still apply. And I would never charge someone who is a victim of a robbery for failure to secure the gun to how other people think he should manage his property. Um, Here's another one. If you, let's say you had several drinks at a bar with a friend and you walk home. And your friend drives home and hits somebody and kills them. Should you be prosecuted or charged with involuntary manslaughter for your failure to take the keys from him? Hmm. I wouldn't be comfortable with that standard. Um, But maybe you want to push back on those hypotheticals because this is different because it's parent child, which, of course, I'll grant that distinction. But here's another one I wish the prosecutor would answer. Let's say all the facts are the same. Ethan's the same kid, same signs of trouble. Parents are the same. Ethan decides, I'm going to go grab that huge butcher knife from the block of knives in the kitchen. I'm going to stash that in my backpack. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to stab some of my uh, some of my classmates. In this case, where he stabbed them, all the other facts remain the same. Would you charge the parents with involuntary manslaughter for failure to secure the knife? No. I certainly wouldn't. And I think if you would if you would say that you'll charge them with involuntary manslaughter for a shooting, but not the stabbing. I mean, that tells me that you just, you don't Care like the, the guns. Gun. Yeah. That's it. So I, I think a lot of what's going on here is just anti-gun grandstanding of the kind of Binger variety. It might not be as absurd as Binger, but I, I think we're watching more of that than the, than a sincere principled application of the law. And additionally, the other thing to remember here. We've seen one side of this story uh, so far. And during this hearing, the uh, the Crumbly's lawyer said that uh, the court is only aware of the facts that the prosecution has presented, which are very incomplete. Now, given this dispute over the lock, there might have been a lot of bullshit said by that prosecutor that just flat out isn't true. I'm not saying that's certainly the case, but we only have one side of the story. And I suspect this prosecutor has some political motives behind her case. So if this, um, I mean, to the extent that this is pursued, which it looks like it will be, I'm going to watch this trial closely because I think this is yet again a case of anti-gun grandstanding that puts everybody else at the right. mercy of right. um, of politically motivated prosecutors. And I say that again with full acknowledgement that um, I I will, I hope I do a better job of parenting than the Crumblies did, and I will make <laughs> that my personal mission. Doesn't mean I like their parenting job, but I'm just wary of standards that put, put all of us on the hook for other people's crimes as well. It's true. They clearly underestimated the mental health issues that he was dealing with. Um, and he, you know, he, he was pretty open about his struggle with, with demons. I wonder if we're going to find out that he was schizophrenic or something. Could be. Yeah. I wonder. I've heard bullying claims though. So it remains to be seen. Well, I did hear claims that the kid was bullied at school and that was the motive for the shooting. At the same time, if you're trying to lure people out into the hall, not that it's, it's justified in any way right. to target specific people with with your gun. It's not. But that and implies the age to range me range too. 
how old what was what was the age range i didn't catch that 14 to 17 it's like the entire school freshman sophomore junior and seniors they're not all making fun of you dude like Mm. like a senior doesn't give a shit about some freshman nerd you must have been a real nerd you never know i don't know it didn't seem targeted to me yeah well we'll keep up with the case as it develops of course uh, I did also want to catch up with uh, all of your Corona topics and uh, we'll get to an update from the Australian quarantine camp in a minute as well. But um, I said earlier this week on Twitter, it was nice knowing all of you. It was a great time. I really appreciated all of the friendships we've made in the community we've built. Why? Of course, because the Omicron variant had arrived yeah, it's over. After last week's fear mongering, um, it was officially it's officially in the U.S. now. The first person who has uh, the Omicron variant within our borders was someone who traveled to San Francisco from South Africa on November 22nd. And uh, yes, that person was and is fully vaccinated, which is why you have to get vaccinated, says Dr. Fauci. He says, quote, get vaccinated if you're not already vaccinated. Get boosted if you've been if you've been vaccinated and I've uh, been vaccinated for more than six months with an MRNA or two months with a J and J and all the other things we've been talking about getting your children vaccinated, masking at uh, indoor congregate settings, etc. So <laughs> we have to keep doing all the things that in no way stopped any of this and surely it will stop it. Eventually the Omicron variant has been detected in 15 States as of this morning, CDC director Rochelle Walensky says there are several dozen known cases. Nobody, meanwhile, really wants to talk about how hospital hospitalizations and deaths are roughly half right now um, of what they were this time last year. So it's just fear and submission forever. But uh, did you catch old Jim Cramer of Mad Money fame over on CNBC? Yeah, he looks like uh, shit. Is he dying of cancer or something? He kind of looks the exact same to me as he always has, but I guess I haven't paid really? close attention. Really? I haven't seen him in a while, and I saw this, and I was like, ah! Well, normally he's the guy advising you on how to build your wealth uh, well into the future. Now he's begging Joe Biden to authorize the military to impose a vaccine mandate on everybody. Uh, well, anyway, here here's the clip of uh, his great plan to end all of this. What I've learned to do through this whole scenario is rely on science. And that means relying on Pfizer and Moderna. But nobody with any power is saying the frontline workers need to be vaccinated. It's just plain wrong. And most of us are sick of it. This charade must end. The government must require vaccinations. We have immunocompromised people who are incubators for every variant to come, walking around lawfully unvaccinated. That's psychotic. We have companies that have tried hard to get people vaccinated and now backing down. We have governors who want to be president by grandstanding on a foolish state's right issue, the right to get sick and get other people sick. So it's time to admit that we have to go to war against COVID. Require vaccination universally. Have the military run it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you better be ready to prove your conscientious objector status in court. And even then, you need to help in the war effort by staying home until we finally beat this thing. Oh, my God. I got to say, I never expected it from him. I had no uh, inclination that this guy was going to have one of the most outrageously authoritarian authoritarian takes I've heard in a long time. Yeah, I always thought he was kind of a benign individual. (laughs) Well, you got to note how dismissive he is with the rights of your state and your rights as an individual. I always love this. What do you mean? The right to get sick? The right to die? Yes, I do. 
I mean, exactly, the right yeah. to manage my own life, even if it means negative consequences. Rights mean that the, the right to manage your own life means, yes, even the right to manage it poorly, which in this case, I don't think it is managing it poorly. He, these people act like it's such an obvious path out. If we just vaccinated everybody, really? Because we've had the vast majority of people vaccinated over the last year. And guess what happened in 2021? More people died of the Rona than in the year prior when we didn't have the vaccine. So how is yeah. the... How is the solution so obviously clear? And I, I love that, too. The burden's on me to prove in a court of law that you don't get to stab me against my will. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what kind of backwards version of law or morality is this? Prove that I can't stab you if I want to. Well, go ahead and try it, I guess. Uh, team up with Beto and, um, and, and kick down the doors and stab people and take their guns. Uh, two birds, one stone. I would love to see this tag team try to pull it off. Oh my gosh, this is really what people want to do. He basically says like we need to round up unvaccinated people and uh, I mean what, what, and what was he saying the immunocompromised people are the vectors for multiple strains? Yeah, I didn't get that because it sounded like, like they're he carrying was carrying the strains. Is that what he was saying? I didn't they're, understand they're exactly around what he unvaccinated. Meant yeah. I don't know, whatever. Um yeah, I mean there's a large segment of the population that's going to resist this uh through very serious means. So it's already kind of happening. Um, the other, the only other thing I wanted to say about his his piece here is, people say this too. Until we finally beat this thing, which means what? Yeah. What is the benchmark? Because the benchmarks have changed throughout this entire thing. But what what do you mean, Jim Cramer? Is it nobody has corona ever? Yeah. Is that that? There are no more variants that are decreasingly um, infectious. Well, more infectious and less deadly. I guess that's the that's the pattern. Who cares? Yeah, uh, this thing is over for people who want this thing to be over. There's a great big world out there. Lots of sunny days. Nice weather, I guess. Maybe not if you live around me because it's snowy right now. But the point is, the only thing holding you back is you at this point. So uh, go have at it if you want to have at it. But um, one of the things that he's uh, he's 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 pissed off about is that businesses are balking on their vaccine mandates and Joe Biden's not doing enough because it's too piecemeal, his vaccine mandates. The reality there, the unstated reality, is that even the mandates that are in place are kind of quietly falling apart. Yeah. You have the um, the the OSHA mandate, which is the, the broadest in scale that Joe Biden issued, which, of course, is a or is or was or supposed to be a mandate um, for employers with a hundred or more workers to vaccinate them all uh, for workplace safety reasons. Now that has been the enforcement of that has been officially suspended. Uh, as of two weeks ago, OSHA announced there won't be any enforcement while a federal appeals court has upheld a stay um, on it while it's adjudicated. The court citing, of course, grave constitutional cons uh, concerns, as we uh, discussed prior. Biden and company are, of course, saying businesses should still comply, but there's no enforcement mechanism. And unless things go dramatically different in court, there probably won't be an enforcement mechanism for this. Uh, then you have the CMS mandate. So the CMS being the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, they tried to mandate that all healthcare workers or at least workers at facilities that participate in Medicare and Medicaid, which is effectively all of them in the healthcare setting, uh, they they wanted to mandate all the workers there get vaccinated. Well, now enforcement of that mandate has been suspended after federal judges issued preliminary injunctions against the mandate while the issue is adjudicated. So that's not going to happen, at least for the time being. Federal contractors even, which somewhat surprises me. I haven't had time to read okay. into the legal details here. But of course, 
when the when the government is an employer or a contractor, they have a little more sway in what they can actually force you to do as a term mm-hmm. of those contracts or that job. But even that, a pair of rulings by separate federal judges Tuesday temporarily halted a part of the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for workers of federal contractors. One of these rulings was specific to Kentucky, Ohio, and Tennessee, and the other one of these rulings um, stopped the enforcement of healthcare workers that we, uh, or enforcement on healthcare workers that we just described. So the contractor one, if you're just a generic federal contractor, not in the healthcare setting, as far as I understand, the rulings that happened this week don't affect you if you're outside of Ohio, Tennessee, or Kentucky. So this one's a little more narrow in scope, but the, even that mandate is is as of now at least partially paused. And the deadline for federal contractors in other parts of the country does hit this week. That's Wednesday, December 8th. So we'll see what happens there. If the government starts shredding up contracts. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Well, um, probably nothing in the immediate in the immediate term, because as far as I understand, the enforcement would be just contracts aren't renewed. The contracts right. that are in place right now would still um, be served out. But new contracts would be dependent on this vaccination requirement as far as i understand how it would work and then you have the military and in the case of the marine corps and the navy the military mandate just passed the army is coming up but uh estimates uh, estimates are as many as nineteen thousand active duty marines and navy sailors did not comply as well as eight thousand air force airmen and nineteen thousand army soldiers who remain unvaccinated the army deadline as i mentioned has not yet arrived that is december 15th but military wide, that's something that's in the great. neighborhood yeah. of three to five percent non-compliance among active duty service members. So many of these holdouts have pending exemption requests. Officials quoted in this Washington Peace story say they're optimistic that compliance will increase once their waiver requests are denied, which you kind of chuckle at and think, well, are they just all going to get denied? What do you mean? Is that kind yeah, of implied yeah. there? Well, according to Defense Department officials, no exemption requests have been approved so far, in fact. Seriously? Now, as far as what will happen, the Marine Corps says Marines who do not comply will face, quote, administrative separation. I'm not entirely clear what that means, but it does say uh, uh, there will be a senior commander, uh, apparently a one-star general, who will decide who is separated and who is retained. Those Marines or sailors separated will receive, this is actually good news, General discharges under honorable circumstances, according to this Washington Post reporting, though, if they're discharged, they may forfeit some benefits like the GI Bill. But if you could stick to your guns and get an honorable discharge from the military, maybe you forfeit some benefits. But that's a much fairer solution than we will stab you or you get some less than honorable or dishonorable discharge. So that's... It's not good news, but relative to the garbage that we've been facing, that's interesting. And then the question is, is the military really prepared to shed 3%, 4%, 5% of its fighting force on behalf yeah, totally. of this vaccine nonsense? Of course they are. Ugh. The other bottom line here is that um, the federal government strategy this entire time has just been bullying you and bullying you in what appear to be outside the bounds of the law. In other words, they're they're counting on you to just cave and get tired of it and appease them, knowing full well they don't actually have the legal authority to do this. If you just outlast them, 
there are more and more chances that appear to be arising because they're running into real trouble in court. I'd be surprised if they run into trouble in court in the military context. I think they might just run into trouble as a practical matter. Do you want to lose this many people? Right. But there aren't going to be any doors kicked anytime soon about uh, vaccines. And, and that's good news. I guess we can breathe easy a little bit. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, it won't be uh, anytime soon that we're headed to the quarantine camp in Australia either, or at least our American version of it. We're comfortably away from that for the moment. But you can uh, you can recall last week we discussed the story of the Northern Territory in Australia where rural and often Aboriginal residents are being forcibly relocated to quarantine camps to serve out their mandatory 14-day quarantine if they test positive or are a close contact of a positive case. One of the reasons I was cautious and actually skeptical about this story last week that we discussed um, was there were claims that these campers at quarantine camp were actually um, were actually going there voluntarily. The, the quarantine, or the, the self-isolation component may not have been voluntary, but because these rural areas of the Northern Territory lack medical resources and high quality living conditions, people thought, well, I'd rather serve it out at this sweet hotel effectively that at uh you know my dilapidated shanty or whatever is going on really in the middle of that that was the claim sweet hotels really they look like crappy trailers to me yeah and of course we we had an australian military source last week confirm this is not voluntary if you are deemed a positive case or a close contact you get in the army truck and you head on off to howard springs quarantine camp if you're in the darwin area of northern territory australia so, and, and here's another question. If these quarantine camps are in fact voluntary, uh, why is people escaping the camp a major news story? So three teens uh, escaped this Howard Springs camp in the Northern Territory. Uh, according to reports this week, it was three Aboriginal teenagers and they escaped that quarantine camp at about 4.30 in the morning. They apparently jumped a fence and ran for the hills. Here is media coverage of that incident. Good morning. We start with breaking news out of Darwin where three people have escaped from the Howard Springs COVID quarantine facility. We've been told the trio scaled the fence in the early hours of this morning. Police receiving reports around 4.40am. Now major police checkpoints have been set up around Howard Springs for the past several hours. This is definitely going to bring this gold standard facility under intense scrutiny. On Sunday we had a man escape and found on Darwin's party precinct and this latest situation is only going to put us under the microscope further oh it's so hilarious it's cute it's cute that this is happening we got the uh the police chasing down escaped black people <laughs> once again <laughs> that's how far progressivism has gone uh in this case now of note all three of these uh aboriginal teenagers tested negative for coronavirus the day yep. before they escaped yeah. It is believed that they were put into the camp for being close contacts of positive cases. Remember, the camp also serves as an intermediary for travelers. So if you're coming mm -hmm. into Northern Territory, potentially interstate in Australia, or if you're an international traveler, you got to quarantine as well. In this case, it looks like these were teenagers, again, forcibly removed from their homes in this rural part of Northern Territory because they were close contacts of someone who had corona. And unfortunately... 
their escape was short-lived. The three teens were captured and returned to quarantine camp. They now face more time in the camp, even though authorities don't believe they came into contact with anyone while they were out. They also face fines of $5,000. So, I mean, is this a medical camp or is this a punitive camp? I suppose their argument would be once you step a foot off the premise, uh, the premises of the camp, your quarantine restarts due to potential exposure. Uh, Maybe that's the argument they make. But whatever goes on at Howard Springs, there are literal lines drawn on the ground. And if you cross them, you will face the ire of the the hazmat suit mafia who come after you and tell you don't go do your laundry without a mask or don't dare speak to your neighbor who lives in the next mobile home over or whatever is going on here. Um, There was another case. There was this viral footage of a woman who was spending her time at quarantine camp. Again, this Howard Springs facility in Northern territory, Australia getting lectured by the hazmat suit people for her apparent indiscretions during her time there. This I'm gonna give you a warning, yeah? It's an official warning that you have to stand up and obey the rules while you get, yeah? So am I allowed to go to the laundry? You're allowed to go to the laundry, but you gotta wear a mask, yeah? Yeah, righto. So if I was sitting just here, which is right near the fence, why are these guys in a cabin that's right near the fence? It makes no sense, does it? Yeah, but you can't leave your balcony to go to the fence to talk to somebody else. That's just obvious, yeah? So if I was on that balcony... Have sense. It is. We always have, there has to be lines everywhere drawn, yes? And one of the lines is you cannot leave your balcony and you cannot go to someone else. Where it makes no sense or it doesn't seem right to you, that is the line, and that's what the law is there, yeah? especially in this area, because it's much more highly infectious and likely to have infected people, yeah? Highly infectious when all of us people are negative so far the risk is still very high while you're here <laughs> can we just do that otherwise the next time it's a five thousand dollar fine and we don't want to do that it's a five thousand dollar fine if what if, if you breach again if if i walk out onto that path without your mask on for no reason other than the laundry, if i cross that yellow line saying that you've broken the rule that i've broken the rule i will be issued with a five thousand dollar fine that's correct what do you know about this lady i didn't have time to look into the story her name's Haley Hodgson. I watched an interview on Unheard. It was a really good interview with her. Um, but she, she talks about Howard Springs. It has 2,000 inmates, and it's these super tall fences so that people cannot escape. I mean, that, that's why. They're, they're fenced in. They're, this is a hmm. detention center. Um, a friend of hers got COVID, and uh, through contact tracing, which included uh, like looking at her VIN number on CCTV. That's how they found that she had been hanging out with this guy that tested positive. Like her car? Yeah, her scooter. Yeah. Um, oh, her scooter. Okay. Like a, Yeah. A so they came to her scooter. house and they were like, Oi, matey. Like you guys were clearly <laughs> hanging day. out with this. Yeah, really. Yeah. You guys are clearly hanging out with this guy that tested positive for COVID. They were like, have you been tested since then? And she was like, yes, because she had previously been sent to a similar detention center. And she's like, I'm not doing that again. Um, and so she lied to them and then they went and they looked through all these records and they were like, you did not get tested for COVID. And she was like, you're right. I lied. And then they were like, okay, well, we're going to have somebody come and test you. And she was like, okay, wait here. And then she walks outside and there are two cops there that are like, um, we'll either give you a $5,000 fine or you have to take this COVID cab to the detention center. And so they sent like a, like a bus that, that, that usually works at a casino to pick her up and take her to the detention center where she was told that if she tests negative, she can leave. So she, they, they test her and she's negative and they're like, you have to stay here for two weeks anyway. And so she called the CDC later to inquire, like, why uh, am I being detained at this, at this place, even though I'm, I've tested negative. And they were like, well, sometimes in Australia, they do this, um, 
as a punitive measure. So it's probably because you lied about being tested. What? Okay, so it's combo prison slash medical facility. Yeah. Yeah. As a punitive measure. Okay. Yeah. The CDC straight up told her that. Yeah. Well, see, it's voluntary. She could have accepted the fine and not taken the quarantine cab. It's voluntary. She had a choice. And remember, all of this is fine. I've been informed because the conditions at the camp are very nice. So there's nothing wrong if people abduct you and confine you as long as they take you to Disneyland for a forcible vacation. Then it's all fine. As we mentioned, as long as you have a first class seat on the train ride. The train ride is uh, yeah totally cool. It's God, just man. Um, swimming pools and soccer fields. Don't worry about it. I, I I'm continually baffled by the Twitter debate on this, where people keep wanting to be so offended by Holocaust comparisons, and it's like it's not. Nobody is alleging some kind of genocide or mass murder. The point is, do you is it legal and or moral to take people against their will and confine yep. them for? medical reasons that are made up on the spot Uh, the the fact that the guy was saying we got to draw a line somewhere it's like yeah i know you literally drew lines like this is a basketball court or something Uh, you know i what can can i jump over the lines is the floor lava what what do i have to do here what a bizarre what a bizarre experience and 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 the fact that that's treated as normal by anybody with any sense of freedom-loving society western civilization generally uh, we we've truly become indoctrinated or, or outright brainwashed. It's it's absolute insanity. Yeah, this is really upsetting. I I can't believe this is where we're going as a society in the West. I mean, I knew Australia was cucked, but I have no hope that America is not going to that. This isn't a predecessor for the the future of America and COVID. Hmm. Well, I hope we get nice camps. That's all that matters. <laughs> I hope, yeah. <laughs> hope I get a nice recliner and a good uh, cable t- cable TV setup, and I hope the Wi-Fi. I'm going to need fast internet to do this to do the show once we get there. So Americans are not going to tolerate yeah. this. And then I can't even imagine being separated from my baby for two weeks. That would be legitimately damaging and traumatizing. Well, what the her. hell do you do? Yeah, if you have a small does a small child go with you? How does that work? This broad got fired from her job because of this. Oh, God. Yeah, because they couldn't. They were like, all right, you, you're just gone without reason for two weeks like you're fired. Well, yeah. What are they supposed to do? It's not the employer's yeah. job to cover two weeks of missed time because the government that, that was the other defense of these places. Well, they're paid while they're there. You know, they get some kind of stipend or something. Yeah, because the government can just print money forever and not have people work and it's going to work out just fine. Uh, I look forward to seeing the end of that. Good luck. Uh, I have a little I, I debated using the sounder for this, but I think I can make the angle and the tradition has to live on. The one week I didn't play it, you know, people missed it, including myself. So, host hate. And now the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. It may very well be the real hate crime of the week, or at least the real threatening voicemail of the week. Mm-hmm. It's probably Con- real. Congresswoman, Il- you got a lead? You know a guy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Congresswoman Ilhan Omar has been catfighting back and forth with Congresswoman Lauren Boebert after Boebert made a joke about seeing Ilhan Omar in an elevator, but being relieved that she wasn't wearing a backpack, implicitly saying that she'd probably be carrying a bomb in that backpack. 
Well, on Tuesday, Ilhan Omar took a podium to say that amid the fight, she has received a threatening voicemail in her office. So she played it and then repeated it herself to make it clear. I'm going to play you a voicemail that we received after I got off the phone with Representative Bobert. We see you, my phone saying nigger bitch. We know what you're up to. You're all about to end our country. Don't worry, there's plenty that will love the opportunity to take you off the face of this fucking earth. Come get it, bitch, you fucking Muslim piece of shit, you jihadist. You're a fucking traitor. You will not live much longer, bitch. I can almost guarantee you that these people are rising up. For those of you who did not hear it very well, let me read you what the voicemail says. We see you, sand and word, bitch. Condemning this should not be a partisan issue. Ilhan Omar is too afraid to use the hard R. I can't believe it. Not everybody gets hate mail. What's the problem here? So, uh, definitely possible the voicemail is real. The, so, but oh, it's it, real for sure. Yeah, that guy's just real. wasted though. He's like on his trailer. I'm gonna call Elon Omar. <laughs> Tell her what I think about her. It's kind of the, a Chad move, I gotta say. The uh, the hoax angle that to me is a, assuredly a hoax is that she made this explicitly about Lauren Boebert, and there's no indication that this had anything to do with Lauren Boebert. The guy doesn't mention Lauren Boebert. The only connection to Lauren Boebert is that Ilhan Omar says this message was received within a few hours after a meeting with Lauren Boebert. So even if the hate is real, the, the false, almost assuredly false, uh, false assignment of it to Lauren Boebert, I think is a hoax enough. Mostly. I just wanted an excuse to play Ilhan Omar saying Muslim sand and word bitch. I know <laughs> it's not as funny as the, the, what is it? Muzzy. Um, ah, damn. Gay muzzy terrorist. For, Gay I, muzzy terrorist. That one's better. I don't think I have that one in the system anymore. It's, aged its way out but that was uh Sadiq Khan if people don't remember that was one of the best bits ever it was Sadiq Khan at South by Southwest making the case that Twitter needs to censor hate speech more <laughs> and he said to prove to you how bad the hate speech is I'm gonna read you some of the mean tweets sent to me and that was one of them Sadiq Khan is just a gay muzzy terrorist <laughs> and he said it so sadly one of the best moments man is he still the London mayor or is uh I'm ashamed that I don't even know. I haven't heard anything from Sadiq Khan really since um, Trump left office. That was like Sadiq Khan's sole purpose in American media was just to rip on Trump. He is the London mayor still. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, uh, okay. It was a, there's, there is no transition into the movie review. It will speak Ugh. for itself, but it I is time. I don't want to talk about this. God. It is time. In a world of movie references flying over his head. One man will finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show movie review. This week's movie is the 1994 action drama Leon the Professional in which a young girl's family is murdered by a corrupt DEA agent and she finds refuge with a neighbor assassin who teaches her the ways of the art and maybe teaches her a few other things as well, or at least she hopes that he might, but I will leave those thoughts um, for you first blonde. And before we get to you, we have movie picker full semi 1776 
who says uh, as to why he picked this movie. This is probably one of my favorite gun movies. Personally, I consider it better than John Wick or even the Matrix scene where Neo walks past the metal detector. It's also where Natalie Portman gets her big break. As always, your thoughts and your rating. You know, I saw this movie when I was like uh, when I was a young teenager and I don't remember it being being so horrified by it. Um, but I found this movie so offensive. I, I was getting, okay. I, somebody told us to watch the director's cut, the extended cut, and I completely forgot. And then I watched the cut that is missing 25 minutes and it was released for American audiences because I thought that some of the scenes were not going to be perceived well by Americans. They were totally right about that. Um, but I was getting some strong Lolita vibes and I was somewhat reassured that Leon did not seem to return Matilda's affections. I kept thinking, am I the creep for being so uncomfortable by this? And then I look <laughs> at my husband and he's like, Ooh, um, is there some reason that people in the audience that, that told us to watch this are able to overlook this pedophilic atmosphere? Um, am I just viewing this through the lens of a right wing conspiracy theorist that thinks yeah. that everyone in Hollywood is a pedophile and is Leon just a father figure? And I'm projecting my view of Hollywood pedophiles on their weird relationship. And then like, I, I did not sleep well that night and I did not sleep well the next night. And I was like, <laughs> this movie fucking creepy, fucking creepy, exploitive of Natalie Portman. And it was a pedophile's dream. And then I find out that the extended cut had a bunch of stuff about their sexual relationship cut out like them laying in bed together and and then it was kind of the intent of the director and so i'm, I'm reading reviews for this because I'm, I'm thinking like am i am i wrong am i am i just am i just like projecting all this weird hollywood stuff on onto the director and all the reviews are like oh the, the action sequences blah blah how in the fuck can you overlook all this pedophile stuff so I, can i even talk about the merits of this movie without addressing how pedophilic this was and natalie portman was like 12 or 13 she's dancing around in her underwear singing like a virgin she's talking about leon being her lover this is just like pure hollywood nonsense uh what's your rating can i give it zero out of i hated it so <laughs> fucking much it's, it's a one then i guess yeah it's just am i crazy about this like i'm seeing a lot in the live chat where people are People are like, oh, no, it's art. I loved this movie. Well, okay. You and I are on the same. We're of the same mindset on this generally. And I will disclose. Normally, we never discuss a movie before the review. Um, we barely discuss this one because I wanted to remind Blonde. So I, I was told by several people, you got to watch the director's cut. You got to watch the extended version. So I did. And then I was looking into it myself and realized the extended cut, the director's cut is it cuts out a lot that it will be highly relevant to your view of this movie. And so I did message blonde and say, I don't know if you've seen the movie. You probably do want to see the extended cut. I'll only say that. I think it will strongly influence what you think about the movie. And so the fact that your response after I said that was, um, yeah, I saw it already. And even the normal version was way too pedoey for me. I thought you have no idea. You have missed a lot of things. Now, when I first watched, when we turned this movie on, uh, I thought at the start, wow, that's, um, 
that 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 little girl's awfully young to be smoking. That's kind of edgy. And then by the end, I'm 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 cringing my face off, hoping for the movie to end because I've seen all these horrible scenes of this Desmond style show, like you're talking about, yeah. where she's doing this scantily clad uh, performance routine for Leon. Get literally getting in bed with Leon, talking to Leon about losing her virginity to him. And I suppose the defense now there are a couple defenses. Number one, maybe you weren't aware of the extended cut and all that stuff is cut out and you see only the action. And I could see how you have an enjoyable experience there. Um, but number two, a defense that's I've heard saw, or, or read is, um, well, but that's the point. Leon never reciprocated. Leon never reciprocated. Okay. Not fucking a kid is not an achievement. It's not a movie plot. That's baseline. Normal people behavior. As I wrote in the review, only in Hollywood is that some sort of compelling movie plot or an achievement. So I agree that I I don't know how I'm supposed to analyze this movie without acknowledging first and foremost, this is basically pedophile fantasy. Yeah, not basically. It is explicitly. It's not even like subtle themes. They're in the same bed together. How I'm supposed to look past that. And then like the the Natalie Portman brawlessness. Yeah, I was just like, oh, oh, my God. Like, she you know, that well was an intentional totally decision. Topless. Yeah. And even if you like want somebody to... talked about that. And then I, I watched it. I got really deep into the Internet that night. And I watched this video of Natalie Portman talking about what her life was like after she did Leon the Professional. And her first piece of fan mail when she was 13, she opened it up and she was so excited. And it was a somebody had sent her their rape fantasy. about. Her. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, well, and... what did you expect? What did the parents expect? What did everybody expect? And I have to believe that they knew what this was going to how this was going to be received. And they knew that they were sexualizing this child. And then everybody's just acting like it's okay. This has like a 90% positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes or some shit. It's one of the best IMDb rated movies too. And I'm astounded by that. The only way I can explain it is if you see all that stuff, if you see the movie with all that stuff cut out, I, I get why you might enjoy the movie. So maybe that's the effect that's happening here. But even if you want to say, okay, they cut out all the crap and then the movie's good. The director's. It's the director's cut. That's what he wanted. He wanted all the pedo fantasy in there. The reason it's not in there is because they showed it to preview audiences in L.A. and it didn't pull well. The movie they wanted to make is the extended cut. So I I can't give any credit to deleting that stuff later because if there's any moral integrity here, that stuff's never made in the first place. And it does get worse, by the way. The only positive thing I can say about this, I I did think... I thought it was at least entertaining to me that in the context of all that moral degeneracy... um, that a corrupt drug addicted DEA agent who sells cocaine under his own cover and murders an entire family. That's actually the less objectionable material yeah. in the movie. And uh, I, I did think the, I was entertained by the portrayal of the federal corruption um, in the movie itself. I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. And, and who is and that it? Gary Oldman. Is that his yeah. name? It was a yeah. way over the top performance too. Mm. My was wife like said too villainous, like comically villainous. We were both really uncomfortable watching this. I, I read um, in one sort of small post about the movie. It's it's basically cuties with guns, which I think is a good yeah. description. Yeah, um, but why do the audience want us to watch this? Were they trolling us or do we have a know. substantial amount of the audience that actually like this movie? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're going to have an audience civil war over this one. We might, well, uh, really we might have some trouble. That really bothers me. Um, am, am I being crazy? I'm glad you see it, too. I was like, maybe it's well, no. just because I have a daughter and, and I'm seeing things in yeah, a new yeah. light. And, but I don't know. Here's the thing. And I, I will stick up for edgy themes in art. OK, I'm not trying to be so Puritan about this that you can't possibly explore taboo topics in movies or works of fiction. 
The trouble here is this is debatably even a work of fiction or it's not just allegedly it's admittedly based on a real life relationship between the director and his very young wife at the time. So French director is Luke, Luke Besson, Luke Besson. I'm not sure how to say his name, but Luke Besson, he met a child actress when she was 12 and he was 29 and they say they started dating when she turned 15. But, you know, t- you decide if you want to believe that or not. She gave birth to their daughter when he when she was 16 and he was 32, 33, something like that. And according to that woman, who is now his ex-wife, by the way, because he has since divorced her and traded her in for somebody else and then divorced that person and traded her in for somebody else, too. That woman said, quote, this love story in the movie between a 12 year old girl and a 30 year old man was very much inspired by ours. Okay, Leon wasn't 30. He was like 45. That's what she's saying. Uh, but the point is, she's saying, yeah, the, the love story in the movie is uh, directly inspired by the one that we had in real life. And, you know, I, I take Me Too allegations with a grain of salt, but Besson has also been accused of rape by multiple women. A lot of those cases are still being uh, investigated, adjudicated. I, I, I do. He has a presumption of innocence there, but I just think it's contextually relevant. And the depths of it are much le- uh, much deeper, too. There, there, I linked a video from my review. Allegedly, there are claims, and they have what looks to be a script to back this up. So unless it's, I mean, maybe it's a really detailed fake. But the original script, these people claim, called for a sex scene between Leon and Matilda. And it's, it's 100% confirmed that there was a scene that called for Leon to walk in on Matilda naked in the bathroom, and Matilda was totally cool about it. And the reason that scene got deleted was because that's where Natalie Portman's parents finally drew the line. So we're not doing the naked shower scene. And this is you watch the video. Natalie Portman's talking about that herself. So that's not rumor. That's not allegedly that happened. There was a naked shower scene. Natalie Portman's parents said, no, that's too far. The rest is okay, though. So obviously on principle mandatory one wiki rating from me i would give it zero if i didn't have to reinvent my entire system to do it get the hell out of here and may god have mercy on your soul as you as you said i don't do well if you just look past the pedo themes no the pedo themes break the deal that's it it's that's done. where it ends i i legit we I, in the past i've been pissed off watching some of these movies because of how um bad i thought characters were or bad the story uh, bad i thought the story was this was a case where we my wife and i were enraged and wanted to turn off the tv just on the principle of of the material like i feel guilty for watching it to be quite honest i just don't i don't understand our audience it's really been i have not had a good week because i watched this on monday and i was just like did they do this to troll us or 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 can they over can can it is a reflection of the quality of your character if you can <laughs> overlook this pedo stuff in favor of action sequences that says well, something about you i can i can see how if you had never watched the director's cut weren't really aware of the content in it i didn't I could, watch the director's cut it was pedoy as shit i i don't know what exact exactly what scenes were deleted and what material was still in there I could see how absent that stuff the gunfighting's cool some of the characters are compelling there is a movie here but I am not willing to say, eh, you know, some of the themes are a little uh, risque, but the uh, yeah. the gunfighting school. You will be relieved to know that the early vote one wiki is the uh, well, it's a it's a pretty evenly split vote. But a third, almost a third of the early vote is saying one wiki. That said, oh, the next man. the next highest rating for the audience is four. So no. How many people gave it four? 
Well, we just have a, a little over 100 votes in the early vote, but right now we're at 39 ones and 34 fours. Wow, I hate half of you. <laughs> okay, Not- uh, would you rather watch Blade Runner back-to-back three times or watch this movie again? In principle, I have to pick Blade Runner. But I hate Blade you Runner heard too. It here. <laughs> I feel bad for giving Blade Runner the same rating because, for as much as I hate Blade Runner, it's not no pedo shit. Yeah, it's just I think the movie is poorly written and poorly performed, which is on a different level than um, you are trying to depict fantasy for the scum of the earth. Oh my and, god, live chat! I'm seeing a lot of people like, "Oh, you guys are movie stubs." Many of our grandmothers got married at 16. Natalie Portman was 12. She was 12. Yeah, not 16. The difference between 12 and 16 is huge yeah i I agree this is uh what is wrong with you people god anyway (laughs) i'm glad you enjoyed the movie i guess um and next week is heat and uh v for vendetta got edged out again so we will watch heat this week the early vote on the the movie after that V for Vendetta has an early lead, but the nominees this week are V for Vendetta, The Patriot, Dirty Harry, Gladiator, Interstellar, Apocalypto, or of course you can reject the list and vote for a random IMDb top rated movie instead. And a reminder, if you'd like to read my weekly uh, movie reviews, comment on how wrong I am, submit your own rating, vote for the next movie and sign up for your chance to be the movie nominator of the month. The one and only place you can do that is in my weekly movie review column linked in the description and on the homepage of the website. That's mattchristensenmedia.com. And that will do it on a show. Let's catch up with the chat. Oh, I need a keyword search chubby because that was the one. Chubby study. Oh. <laughs> As in the name of the chatter. I thought this was yeah. like some incidental reference to uh, the, the contents of Leon no. the Professional. <laughs> All right, Chubby Stubby. Home after three weeks in the hospital from a yeah. Harley crash. Still long recovery to go, but miss some supporting. Hope this makes up for it. Thank you so much. I hope that you recover and that it never happens again. Get rid of your motorcycle. They're very dangerous. Wow. All the best to, uh, to you. Appreciate the support for the show as well. Thank you. Mojack420. Uh, just got a raise at work. Got a raise. I was like Gatorade uh, at work. So here's <laughs> yeah. a little something, something. Thank you. We appreciate that. Jacko, anyone notice how much D.A. Binger looks like Stansfield? Binger is more corrupt and villainous, though, because he's real. Uh, what is that, a movie reference? Is that a, a Leon the Professional reference? I actually don't know who he's referencing there. Is it Gary Ullman's character? It might be, yeah. I think that I think you're right. Yeah, it, it is. It's the D.E.A. character. They in, do kind of uh, look like. In the movie, yeah. Um, yeah, but this guy looks like a much more masculine, capable version of that yeah. mold of person. Um, Boogeyman 917, I doubt it. Yep, we'll probably have updates on on that soon. Um, I think that's actually starting in... That's uh, actually supposedly starting in January, that trial. after oh, that, really? that happened September 2018 and still has not gone to trial in Texas. The Gosh. I doubt it case. I uh, Son of the wolf. <laughs> Hey guys, spending a wonderful weekend in Leavenworth, with Washington. Proposed to my girlfriend last night. I'm officially engaged. So have some celebratory shekels. Congratulations. That's so sweet. Congratulations. All the best to you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for supporting the show as well. The Simpsons since 90 got some 2A jersey from my mom and me. Turns out their distribution center is 12 miles from me. Not only did I support show supported stuff, but I bought local. Can't wait for your heat review next. 2A jerky. Jerky. Might have oh, had an S in there. I don't know. It says Jersey. Yeah, but he means the jerky company. Appreciate 
appreciate your support for the show. And it says Jersey like spelled like New Jersey. Well, it must have been confused. like an autocorrect or something. But fantastic jerky. Head on over, see our friends at uh, 2ajerky.com. Promo code. What is it over there? Matt 10? I can't remember. It's in the deals list. If you want a jerky deal for Christmas. Um, Robin D. Bangs. Imagine feeling demonized for truck of peace, uh, for, for truck of piecing a parade. I just had a car crash 60 times, 60 plus uh, resulting <laughs> in six dead, 40 plus hospitalized. Just remember how long the media dined out on James Fields. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And objectively, this was way worse than Charlottesville. It um, definitely was worse yeah. than Charlottesville. I mean, just strictly on the numbers, you know. Vincent Montoya, since you're not getting paid to show these ads uh, on the side of the news stories you share, have you considered using the distill extension to strip them out? I don't know. What that uh, I, there shouldn't be. I do use an ad blocker. So like uh, when we're looking at stories, you might see reference to other stories, but generally ads um, aren't, aren't getting through. They might occasionally, but uh, but ads, I agree that like it's just kind of annoying too, even beyond the. Yeah, the commercial, whether or not we have a, a commercial interest in it. Um, so I try to minimize that. But, you know, you got to it's it's tough to do because the browser has to work, too. It's like the more extensions I apply than half the shit on the page it, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. So, um, you know, bear with me. Uh, Robin D. Banks, smart money on Jizz Lane having a secret dead man switch. She won't get Epstein because uh, if that DMS gets released, uh, the CIA Mossad, whoever loses all leverage over the people they have dirt on, they're no use. And I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Do we uh, th- we don't have a timeline for when the trial concludes or is there any idea when that's going to happen? Mm. Hmm. Takes as long as it takes. Daniel Kungo, I was invited to an exotic meat festival, a.k.a. a testicle festival. I gave it a pass. I'll eat steak and hamburgers all day. Cow balls, not so much. Am I missing out? I'm thinking not gross. That's a thing in this part of the country. I don't know if they do that in northern Idaho, but. Well, my husband did eat bear and cougar a few months ago. Yeah. I have never had either. I wonder um, what kind of bear? Black bear? Grizzly bear? Black bear. Okay. Yeah, I wonder what that's like. But yeah, the uh, the 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 testicle festival thing happens in this part of the country. I've never partaken, partook, never sampled them, but it's a big deal apparently. He doesn't eat those balls. You heard it. <laughs> Thomas Franchet, Rebecca, heard your talk with Felix Rex, Rex about roots as Americans from Minnesota came to Quebec in 2009 for reasons you highlight. Would love to talk to you about this if you're interested. Thomas French on Facebook. Thank you so much. I'm not on Facebook, but you mean email. Darlene Cates, still here, just checking in. Hopefully life will settle down for us before Christmas. Christmas. Mm. Hope everyone has a good holiday season. Thank you, Darlene. We appreciate it. It's all, good to talk uh, yeah. to you again. All the best to you, Darlene. I know it's uh, you've had some some personal uh, events and issues, so I hope that they, they went well for you. And thanks for tuning in and supporting. Yep. Um, Chubby Stubby, as if Stelter even knows what the term ethics means. I know this whole thing is laughable. Journalistic <laughs> ethics. Evan M. Yeah. You know, my favorite part of being locked up in 2020, being constantly moralized at by the Cuomo brothers and their sycophants. Yeah, I also love that. Yeah, maybe I should have done the I will remember you bit for the Cuomos because it's like, what are they going to do now, man? Yeah. Have we seen the They're last rich. of them? Yeah. Probably. Incompetent hands. Any Floridians in the chat joining the DeSantis State Guard? I, for one, propose keeping DeSantis in the governor's mansion until the FDA releases their data on vaccines. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, maybe you should. Um, Thomas, Tom1212, hilarious listening to Stelter throw Cuomo under the bus. Can't wait for the same to happen to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when Stelter has a sex scandal, will anyone believe him, though? 
That's that's the yeah. question. Ever, you know, you're too short for that. Uh, Reality the Lobster. Stelter is a dad, by the way. I'm I know. Sure Somebody banged him at some point. That's crazy. Uh -huh. Voluntarily. Um, allegedly. He's also not Jewish. Did you know that? I guess. Well, I don't know. I don't know that much, that much about him personally. But Live chat. Do an early live check for me. I kind of don't believe that. Reality <laughs> Lobster. Blonde, did you read the comments on elves and Santa Inc.? Lots of based people aware of elf control and the need for more workshop fireplaces. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the comment section is legendary, as I was saying. It's uh, Rudolph Adler well was worth right your, about the elves. Your, your break time brows. It did uh, put a little spring in my step this week. Robin D. Banks, cats versus Cuomo. I love to see the left devour themselves. It's like downing a bottle of NyQuil and chasing it with a six pack of Red Bull, letting the battle begin. <laughs> there can only be one. Also, Matt and I once snuggled. He said, this is mega country before choking me with some laundry line, splashing his bleach all over my face during a polar vortex. Oh, no, that never happened. <laughs> Gay! Gay? I just can't wait to see. I think a conviction is just, but I know that Jesse won't come clean, even if convicted. He'll double down and explain some other theory about how someone was out to get him. The jury was out to get him. It was all fixed from the start. Yeah, he's can't never, wait. ever going to admit guilt. Can't wait trapped of the world anyone simping for cuomo on the family angle must love joe for always taking such good care of hunter and american yeah. respects merit not nepotism and a christian loves truth over all else i think taking care of your deadbeat son is different than taking care of your deadbeat brother yeah i i, I certainly think family loyalty is an important principle and we've talked about it before but is it the highest and are there principles for which you would break family ties and i think clearly there sure. are they might yeah. be extreme it might be like your your brother's a serial killer, so you don't talk to him anymore. Yeah, but did but, Cuomo do something that if my brother had done it, I would um, I would defoo him? No. Well, I, I definitely think I would be more forgiving with my family for transgressions. But the issue here is how far would I be willing to deceive the public in pursuit of that? Because there was a lot already, of his job is already deceiving the public. Why does he give a shit? Well, it's, it's a, then maybe the ethical breach was already baked into the cake. I, I it suppose, was yeah. like he's going to have a moment of moral clarity at this point in time when it comes to defending his brother, you know, defending your deadbeat son. Your son's a deadbeat because you fucked up as a parent. <laughs> your brother's a deadbeat, especially your older brother. That's not on you, man. Not on you. Yeah. You got to help. Sometimes you got to help your family bury a body. I don't know. <laughs> um, trapped of the world also said Baldwin was a great actor red october beetlejuice 30 rock but he's also a narcissistic sociopath remember when he got thrown off the plane because he wouldn't stop playing on his phone i don't remember that but he has done some crazy shit the voicemail to his daughter was really bad i do love him beating up paparazzi though That's i don't know okay. that i've seen that normally i don't like to accuse people of acting but i i think that that interview was largely an acting job i think that, that oh my was... god i totally forgot about the cuomo nursing home thing that he well just that he stuffed grandmas back into nursing homes yeah what? that's really bad yeah. okay I mean that, but that was the nature of um it's not, i don't know that uh well the, the the issue with that was just bringing him on cnn to cover the story and acting all buddy buddy with the giant q-tip and all that other stuff no but i would i would defoo somebody in my family that had done something like that but the that sex it, assault stuff, I'm like, mm, I don't really care about it. Well, I, I think policies that result in death, I think, are objectively worse than than uh, even abuses of others, which uh, he's alleged to have done. For but, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But um, I, but as, to be as fair to Chris as possible, I don't think it's alleged that he helped in yeah. that in that uh, regard. It's not yeah. alleged, but did 
did he pull some strings to do that? He probably did. Come on, let's be like, he, yeah. if he's covering for his brother on the sexual harassment stuff, he's probably covering for him on the nursing home stuff too. It would stand a reason. It's just Within that wasn't the, the nature of, of this, this story. Yeah, I was just thinking about the sex assault stuff. I had completely yeah. forgotten about that. Um, President Meg Tama, Ursula von der Leyen, pin the Nuremberg Code on Cuomo and boot both of them out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me scroll up. Come on, you can do it. You can do it, computer. Um, Robin D. Banks. Alec, triggers don't pull themselves. Who does he think did it? Little Green Men or something? Are they the same ones that done up JFK? Was a grassy knoll involved? I don't know what <laughs> he's saying here. It's a preposterous accusation. Yeah. It's not really an accusation. I, I don't even really know what he's claiming. Don Lemonade's. I'm not buying any of this Baldwin bullshit. He's a man. He bears the ultimate responsibility for any firearm in his possession. If he lacks the knowledge or training to prevent an accidental discharge, he's criminally criminally negligent at the very least. That's true. Yeah. We shall see. I mean, man, if, if charges do come out, uh, th- this interview is going to be highly scrutinized. And even the decision to do it is it could come back to yeah. bite him in the ass. Evan M. Read about John Eric Hexum if you want to know how retarded an actor can be with prop guns. He killed himself because he was bored and thought it was safe to play Russian roulette with blanks. <laughs> God. Did Tiger they have the King Russian roulette again. scene in the version of Leon that you watched? Mm-mm. Oh, she also plays Russian roulette and holds a gun to her head and says, I love you, Leon, even though he knows there's one in the chamber and he bats it out of her hand right before she kills herself. What a psycho. Yeah. Uh, David Setloff, um, Baldwin has a proven anger issue. That is also true. Chubby Stubby, Baldwin would have also felt the kickback from the live round. No way he wouldn't have known. It depends on how many blanks he had shot previously. Yeah, I guess I don't, and I don't know. I've not handled blanks. So do they feel similar to a live round? I have no idea. I've round, never shot a gun Or do they feel blanks, different? Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Glenn Davis. Well, I guess they must, because he said in the interview, Hannah Gutierrez had, had coached him on how to make a blank shot look like a real shot with your movement that it mm-hmm. needed sort of kick movement. Yeah. So that would imply that they don't feel the same or they don't produce mm-hmm. the same force. Right. That's true. Glenn Davis, police just pull bullets out of bodies at homicide scenes. Now, huh? Cool story, Alec. Um, I think it was the guy that survived. Yeah. Right? Well, according to his version of the story, Within an hour of the event happening, the sheriff's deputy had ripped a, the 45 caliber round out of that guy's arm or shoulder. Is that that seems odd, too? Do they do that? Would that be done in the have, hospital? Would that be done on scene? I don't I don't know, actually. I also don't know. Um, reality lobster like the Titanic, the scam. This is scam gone wrong. He only meant to shoot someone, but did not mean to kill them. He wanted a close call to push for total elimination of guns on Hollywood to be replaced by CGI. Ah, That's, so that was the plot. Uh, I don't know. Shaniqua, I won't dismiss anything these days. Stunning and brave. Ugh. Matt and I once made love. He was kissing me on the... Anyway, a wad came out, and he's definitely a fruity ass. <laughs> Thanks, Melbourne crew, for a great Christmas weekend, and Jeff O'Neill loved the bottom surgery reveal. Fucking gross. I, I don't understand this bottom surgery. What, what is going on with this reference? What are they talking about? I don't know. Shaniqua standing and brave as a tranny. I, but I don't know whether to take that seriously or jokingly. I'm going to need an explanation. You Australia people. It's clearly a joke, right? Oh, well, I don't know. It gets kind of rowdy down there. Robin deep down where down under and down there. Oh, down there. Uh, down under. 
aim high and shoot for the yeah. moon. That way, even if you miss, you might at least hit a couple of cast members. Alec Baldwin, 2021. By the way, you guys ever consider inviting Salty Cracker on sometime? Maybe we should. I like Salty Cracker. I'm not familiar. I don't know the I don't know the person. Esoterica Unbound. By the way, Matt, George Stephanopoulos actually is small is a small creator. He can't be more than five four. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that he sits on an old phone book during most of his interviews. Gross. I would believe that. It's a uh, neck and neck between him and um Jerry Nadler for shortest uh shortest person in the political arena. <laughs> Long Dong John. Oh God, someone please, please, please put Santa Inc. in their movie list. <laughs> I, I, the rules are the rules that. i'll watch it if you want me to watch it is it only on hbo though <sighs> That'll be... i have hbo i'll, I'll figure it. out a way if it's if it's nominated and voted on i'll, I'll watch it joseph redman i think alec did it on purpose to fill a sick fantasy or something he should be convicted of at least first degree no one not alec would be out of jail right now for doing something like this at a party Oh, I agree 100%. There's let's probably some, yeah, there's let's say you and your friends were filming some YouTube skit that involved uh, real guns or something like that. And yeah. this happened. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's not my We'd responsibility. Yeah. Okay. Biden's ask rack. Where's my hacky sacky circle backy corn pop the pool kids with their hair and the spaghetti sauce. That was four days ago. Five days ago. <laughs> Xi Jinping variant is my good friend. A true international. Fair that enough, was thank you. four days ago, five days ago. <laughs> Doesn't matter. There's a super slippery slope if the DA fails to prosecute even the lightest of crimes and that criminal goes on to murder. Is the DA responsible for involuntary manslaughter? Yeah. That's another is, good, that's another uh, good uh, analogy. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, certainly it seems much more credible to me to say that the prosecutor in Milwaukee. Um, well, I don't know. Is he more responsible? If the if the parents to the extent that the parents in uh, in this school shooting in Michigan have some level of moral, arguably legal culpability. The guy who let the Waukesha dude go free on what a thousand dollars bond or whatever, he's got to be just as culpable. I know it's a different state, different laws, but I'm just talking in a layman moral sense. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. How far do we want to go with this? That's an interesting thought. Mostly peaceful gun owner. The only justification that I can find for charging the Crumleys is that they bought a pistol for their son, which he legally isn't allowed to have in Michigan. You have to be 18. Yeah, but there's no crime for parents buying a gun and keeping it in their own home and shooting it with their son. The only the question is, what was meant by that post? It's his right. Christmas present. It's his Christmas but present. there are all sorts of guns maintained in homes with children and shot with those children under the supervision of the parents. And there's not really any sort of crime in that. Right. And right. and we know based on the prosecutor's description of events, at least if that's accurate, which again, I question a lot of it, but the prosecutor herself is saying gun was taken from bedroom of parents. All right. It was not sitting in the bedroom of the child as though it was the child's PlayStation or something like that. So I let's put it this way. I'm not aware of, and I say this as a sincere question, not rhetorical. If you can show me an example of a parent being prosecuted for a straw purchase for their child who lives with them, show it, show it to me. I, I, that seems like it'd be really hard to prove because they live in the same place. Like whose gun is that? Yeah. How is it definitively the child's property when they all live in the same home? When they all live in the same home. Um, Philip Hayden, Austin gang is meeting up with the crew in San Antonio this week, uh, this weekend. All y'all are welcome to join us. If you can make it my email and number on the spreadsheet, if you need carpal info info, let me know. Thank you, Philip. Enjoy Philip the meetup. Send us a picture. 
Chubby Stubby, Kramer's a money guy. Clearly, he's invested in Moderna and Pfizer. I don't know why that didn't occur to me. I, that's, yeah, I hope yeah. that's true. That's makes that's, sense. That's probably least. the best explanation. You're right. Liberative. So let me get this straight. The CNBC stock guy trusts the science of Pfizer and Moderna by name and wants the government to force the poke on everyone. She, <laughs> I wonder if the stock guy owns any of those. He yep. trusts the science and that's why he trusts Moderna and Pfizer. The he only does. reason is just because of his scientific commitment. Guy says, oh God, can I get an early life check on Jim Cramer? No. Um, donate 2k would love to see the science that proves the unvaxxed carry more virulent strains than the vax Kramer is and always has been a, a joke it's probably true too Ethan Johnson I'm an army medic I had to get the vaccine because I'm a medical command and have been around COVID patients since this began I wish I didn't have to but it was get it or risk getting a bad case that sucks sorry Ethan well uh, you know uh, all the best. And of course, thank you for your service as well. Appreciate it. Let me reload. And for supporting the show, of course. Um, I do have it ready to go. Jason says, uh, Kansas City Police Department, and I'm not kidding about this, has spent the better part of today chasing a camel around the city on foot in a car and golf cart. Camel was lassoed and returned to the owner. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I, I will sleep better tonight. <laughs> thank Don you for Lemonades. the update. Have the people of Australia really gone this insane? Or are their elections fake too? I think that probably a little bit of both yeah uh yeah i'm sure it could be some kind of combo who knows buck star chaser ilan some people said some things omar well that's kind of the preposterous notion of uh of her claim there it's like the only possible way i could have made an enemy so enraged at me as to call me a muslim n-word bitch is because of the lauren bobert thing i guarantee plenty of people hated you well before lauren bobert and how many people do you think newly hate her because of Lauren Boebert? There's there's yeah. nobody who's like that. That's know? somebody that's hated her for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Das Pooch, using the Chrome extension to see dislikes, the Santa Inc. trailer now has 144,000. Is that a record? You can use the Chrome extinction, uh, extinction, extension to see dislikes. I was unaware of that. I'm going to have to... I'm surprised YouTube has not figured out a way to block that, but I'm going to have to check that they out. They will. Yeah. Scott Allen, very few have seen the professional uncut, so they don't know. To your point, Kirsten Dunst said the fan mail from the interview, from interview with the vampire, which she did when she was 12, robbed her of her childhood. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm sure there's probably a lot of that going on. And that's why I don't want to be, I don't want to, you know, be too hostile with people who enjoyed the movie. All I will say is if you enjoyed the movie and you saw the original version, go watch that extended version and just read some of the links that I put in, in the review and decide for yourself. I just can't imagine a lot of people willing to look past a lot of those things as just, oh, well, it's edgy themes or, you know, it's just implied like, yeah, dude, they, they, this stuff is as close to um, the edge of what could possibly be considered rated R. But to me, it's teasing the fantasies of actual pedophiles. That's the oh, yeah. purpose of For it. For sure. That was the whole MO. Yeah. Yeah. Esoteric Unbound Representative Omar to Bobart. Uh, do you really think you have a chance against us? Little Miss Cowgirl Bobart to Omar. Yippee Kaye. Brother fucker. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Is she the one who called her a brother fucker or who? What? No, that was. Um, that was a uh, Marjorie Taylor. That's Green, right. Yeah. yeah. Fataku never watched Land the Professional because the trailer looked like pedo fan fiction. Good to know I dodged a bullet. People who enjoy that degenerate garbage need to find the Lord. <laughs> Y'all need one. Jesus, I'm afraid. Yeah. All right, let me just catch up on uh, Tippy Stream. D Live looks good. Thank you guys. Over on Tippy Stream, 
let's see, where did I leave off? Um, I think, oh, I did Mojack 420, right? Yeah, the matchmaker says this would be um, great if, or this woman would be great for Binger if he wasn't such a fag. Oh, I see. The uh, the, prosec- the prosecutor, Karen. Her name is Karen McDonald, by the way. Mm. Uh, they would make a great couple. I don't know. Is Binger married? I, I never looked into that. I don't know his personal Mitch says, huge thanks to Matt for keeping honest and uh, for keeping honest thinking and conversation alive for my generation. You're a model Patriot and a great man. Also. Thanks blonde for making sure I don't turn into a complete beta. Love you both nuke kid. Well, that's very kind of you. And thank you for your support. I am not going to be niggardly. Appreciate that. And all the best to you. Thanks for keeping us on the air and uh, independent as always. We appreciate it. Raggle fraggle says big news guys. The wife and I are expecting. Wow. That was fast. Oh my God. (laughs) Was that a little too fast, Raggle Fraggle? No, I don't. I, I won't get into that. But they they were guys, on their honeymoon like a week ago, so I would yeah, say yeah. yes. Um, prayers for her and the baby would be greatly appreciated. So happy I to bet be she's back. Four months pregnant in the free state of Texas to start our new family. Have a great show, everyone. So uh, I take that to mean you moved to Texas, then? Yeah. Oh, lots um, happened in the last few weeks. Jeez. Well, congratulations, and uh, and yeah, I hey, I sent you a, a regular. I sent you a message too because I'd like to. Well, I wanted to send you guys a, a wedding gift, but now it's I got to do combo wedding baby gift. So check your DMs and uh, yeah. let me know. And congratulations, guys. Appreciate it. Phil says, Ilhan Omar isn't a traitor except in the eyes of the civic nationalist. She's open about her motives. She wants to acquire power and resources for herself and her own ethnic group. You can't take. <laughs> Can I say sand joggers? Yeah. <laughs> sure. She has to go back. She has to go back, says, all right, these, the Phil bait, Phil's Susan bait has to end the show. Oh, we have one more. Well, I have one more here too. One second. It's not complicated. There are bad people out there and they want to diddle your kids. It's time to invest in milestones and rope. Uh, well, Hey, if, if Jussie Smollett has a purpose for rope, Phil can too. All right. That's only fair. Das Pooch, the extension uses the Google services API programming interface and they still have the data available. They'll probably remove it soon. Yeah, I imagine that'll be taken away, especially considering Google and and YouTube are the same thing and they got to work together on that stuff. So I I assume that's part of Susan's great plan on this rollout. Let me refresh, make sure that we're good to go. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we are all set. Anything else before we get out of here? No. All right, well... um, Thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us tonight. Appreciated as always. I look forward to hearing some thoughts on Leon. I mean, I, I, in addition to just hating what I watched, I am kind of fascinated how and why this movie is so well received. So if yeah. I missed something, send it my way. Um, and I'll never watch the movie again after that. It sounds like a plan. If you'd like more of the show to listen to, uh, you can listen back to the call-in show. We have interviews from from uh, Blonde uh, posted on the audio platforms as well. It's all on the audio platforms. Extra material. You can check that out in the uh, description and linked over on the website. Anything else? You want to find the show? You want to buy a t-shirt? You want to check out the deals? You want to get in touch? Just head on over to the website. That's mattchristiansonmedia.com. We'll be back next Sunday because if it's Sunday, sorry, Chuck Todd, it's not Meet the Press. It is the Matt and Blonde show. Have a great night. Bye, guys.
Sue!